You're listening to episode 176 of the Comic Spells. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I have a random question of the week! Go ahead. What? Yeah, I have a random question of the week. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. sorry. I'm going to need you to say it louder. I didn't... <clears throat> uh, Pete, can you help me? A random question of the week! There you go, Cal. What's the question, Pete? I don't know. What is it, Phil? Well, it's random is what hit the oh, answer it's, to Oh, it's question. random! <laughs> <laughs> uh, my question to start off the show hot here, folks, is which comic book character would be most likely to get coronavirus? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, Martian Manhunter, because, you know, he's got an alien immune system, so I don't know how his body's going to handle it. That's fair. Yeah, that's some that's some real uh, uh, fucking... What's that? What's that movie? Uh, signs? No. Does someone get a disease in Signs? <laughs> oh, War of the World. The worlds. War of the Worlds. Thank you. Uh, I say Spider Man. No, why is that? Gee, motherfucker doesn't wash his hands. <laughs> he is filthy. He's all up in the grime of New York City. There's no way he washes his hands all the time or near uh, anywhere near enough. Daredevil, because he's blind. He got to touch stuff. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's got gloves on. So he has to play the part. Yeah, but Daredevil's costume is like, you know, you can tell it's got like armor qualities to it, where Spider-Man just wears like a fucking nylon jumpsuit. But not like, Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock still exactly. got to be, he got to be blind. Oh, he got to be blind. He ain't touching he stuff gotta like that. He got to be blind. He, he got to be blind. <laughs> <laughs> Braille, he touches shit all day, dude. That's just, you know. That's true. Coronavirus is all up on that. One um, trip to the library and he's done. <laughs> oh, yeah. The New York Public Library, you know it. Who, who's, who's like, the most sickly character in comics? The one that has, like, the most prone, like, immunity system. I mean, I, I was going to say Aunt May. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Aunt May <laughs> is the first casualty in it's Marvel. true. <laughs> She's the first casualty. <laughs> no, yeah, she ain't got no health care. Definitely no. Healthcare. He can't afford it anymore. Yeah, Alfred. No, he can afford it. Nah, he's he's nah. fine. Alfred Alfred's going taking out like Bruce that. Wayne to Italy, and while he's there, it's like, oh shit, now I got Corona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, did you did you throw one out there? Yeah, yeah, I went first. Who did oh, I say? Yeah, that's right. Don't even remember. Oh, I said Martian said. Manhunter. Oh yeah, because well, he's an alien. Um, I was originally gonna say which pal would get it, but like we all know, it'd be Kale. Uh, I'm fine. I I would be like Alfred. I never leave the house. So and I <laughs> Alfred and I'm, never leaves the house. I'm in a country where I'm in the rich richest country in the world. Like there are no cases here. I'm fine. That was the antidote all along. You're close enough to Italy, though. I mean, I'm pretty sure I already have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that based on what Pete did before we started the damn show, I think he has it too. <laughs> I was hacking up a lung. Yeah, I'm probably dead. Maybe, maybe we'll put a clip in that at the end, at the end of the show. <laughs> nope, just to- nope, 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 nope. I'll just say, if you've ever seen the movie Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, the scene where they're going to bed and John Candy's trying to clear out his sinuses, that was Pete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, well, welcome to the show. 
Hey, if you're at home watching, uh, hello. Uh, yes, and uh, if you're on the road watching, also hello. <laughs> no, 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 they're gonna be quarantined. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our quarantine <laughs> viewers. <laughs> Not to you know those of y'all in Wuhan, China. If you're watching, what's up? Jeez. Those guys are quarantined. They're suffering. They it's really not, are. It's not. They're actually in trouble. Not like the fake virus that's over here in America. You're not here in America. Don't say over here. Yeah, over here. <laughs> My man right, said Texas. over here when he's like how far away from America. <laughs> <laughs> okay. His heart goes out to all of us from the middle of Luxembourg. What do you say? The richest? I did almost say Lumberborg. <laughs> okay. Well, whether you're quarantined or <laughs> listening to us from the comfort of your whatever, uh, we welcome you to the show. There are many ways that you can get us other than whatever you're listening to us on right now. Of course, we're on most podcast hosting platforms. If we're not where you want us to be, at Mr. Marco Animoto, yell that way. Uh, you can get us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals on all social media platforms. We're just the Comics Pals all over the place, right? Um, and on YouTube, if you're watching this right now, welcome. And uh, make sure to leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel because uh, there's a lot of good stuff to check out. Click the notification bell so you're made aware when we drop our new videos. And uh, speaking of YouTube, we actually just dropped... What I think, and I think what we all think, is a pretty cool video. Uh, we we headed over to Anyone Comics, which is here in uh, Queens, right? Brooklyn. 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 Yeah, Kale's Brooklyn. old comic shop. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we did an interview with the owner, Demetrios. It was it was mm. awesome. Uh, it was insightful. You know, we talk a lot on this show about the issues at large in the industry. You know, we get pretty wide with it, and we often debate amongst each other about the ways that the industry can grow and, and, you know, get better and what the issues are. And I think that the conversation that we had added a lot of context from the retailer's perspective as to what the industry is facing right now. So if you're into that kind of stuff, which I know a lot of you guys are, definitely go check that out. Support um, it would mean a lot if you guys go give that a watch, so please do. And share it if you like it. Yes, definitely share it if you like it. Uh, the feedback's been good. We've gotten a lot of uh, good good commentary on uh, Twitter. We've gotten a lot of good commentary on the video itself, so add to that discourse. Uh, you can also add to the discourse on our Discord by... Nice. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Clicking on the Discord link, wherever it is that you are currently engaging with this vi- with this uh, audio, and um, join up. Come talk to us about the show. Talk to us about comics, what you're reading, uh, what video games you're playing. You know, whatever it is that you're into, we're probably into it too. Or there's someone on our Discord who is. So uh, let's come talk about that. Some of the conversations we had on the Discord this week were about uh, people's favorite video games of the last five years. Uh, we talked about the way that we're, you know, sort of sending off the PS4 um, and lots of really good comic talk in general, comics talk. So um, come join that, be a part of that. And uh, I'm very active on there. <laughs> <laughs> Please. 
Uh, real soon, we're going to be launching. Honestly, our I'd say the pitches that Phil is not very active on there. <laughs> if you want less Phil, join our Discord. <laughs> very easy to get away from him. The comics yeah. files without the baggage. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> your words from my lips to God's ears. Jesus. There's a lot to talk about this week. Uh, we've got some unfortunate news regarding the coronavirus and how it is uh, infecting the comics industry. Uh, we're going to re- be reviewing Strange Adventures number one real soon, which I'm excited about. Um, but before we get into all that, I do want to read a really nice uh, mail that we got, a note on Facebook about our last episode. So, Pete, why don't you read that for us? Yeah, this comes from Matt Ev, <clears throat> who wrote in and said, Well, this was a really great listen. X-Men were my first comic love. I've been obsessed with them on and off for about 35 years, and I'm just devouring Hickman's tenure on these books. Hoxpox was truly groundbreaking, and number seven is one of the best, most thought-provoking, and mind-blowing comics I've ever read. Well, since House of X 2. <laughs> Gotta agree with you there. Uh, honestly, I haven't been this excited about my favorite mutants since I first encountered them. Your discussion and breakdown of this issue was, and its wider resonance was exceptionally insightful and compelling, and only deepened my appreciation of what Hickman is doing. I love that he has the courage to take well-established and beloved quote-unquote superheroes in such a radical and dangerous direction, and is doing it with such style, imagination, nuance, and scope. If I ever meet Hickman, I'm going to grab his face really, really hard and rub the top of his head until it bleeds. Such Yo. is the verbally inexpressible nature of my love for this run. <laughs> Don't do that, Madev. Do not do that. Don't do Bad. that to Hickman. That sounds scary. But I was Don't with you that. right up until then. That's just the old Glasgow hello. You guys get used to it. <laughs> that's, that's why Grant Morrison looks the way he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he lost all his hair. Yeah. <laughs> was that coincidentally? Yeah, that was it. Coincidentally, that's why Mark Millar also looks the way he does because <laughs> nobody. Um, you know. Yo, that issue of X Men uh, that kicked ass. I wasn't on it, but you're right, Matt. Ev, that issue was my favorite of all of Dawn of X. It was incredible. Yeah, Phil, that's right. You weren't on it. I was missing you on that one. I thought you. Yeah, no. When I read it, I was like, I really wish I could be on this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nightcrawler. Why don't you, uh, real quick, since you can't really respond otherwise to the email, why don't you just real quick tell us what you thought about uh, the the uh, issue, X Men Seven. Uh, well, we learned a lot. I, I, I'm sure you guys talked about this at length, but Wolverine and Cyclops have some real intense uh, sexual tension going on here. Oh, <laughs> gross. Oh. <laughs> that was absolutely revolting. Guys, we have, we, have, we have three rules on this podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, both uh, visually... And and just narratively, it was so satisfying. Uh, obviously, I'm a, uh, I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy on the hard specifics, but like Nightcrawler talking about the the room that no one can access, so he teleported in there, and like uh, him kind of referring to it as like kind of a paradise. That was really cool, and just like the juxtaposition of of his kind of 
spiritualism versus apocalypses like hard uh like evolution realization you know like the way they were kind of juxtaposing these two approaches to this culture was really really well done it was really subtle and uh i really can't wait to see what nightcrawler does with this kind of uh religious movement on krakoa nice trying to find a way to like make his catholic faith make sense in the context of what's happening there would be really interesting yeah absolutely it was great it was so good yeah uh we appreciate the comment matt glad that you enjoyed the uh the review on our part you know we have a lot of fun doing that stuff and it's always nice to get the feedback that validates what we're doing when it comes to that. So really appreciate that. Hey, Sean, uh, ask me about my, my, my take. You know, actually, I was really interested in your take, too, because I feel like you you always come at these from a little bit of a different angle. And especially with the religious aspect here. So, yeah, what do you think about it? Well, here's the thing. We were interested last week, so we got to. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Go ahead, Marco. I don't read Marvel comics when I'm off. <laughs> wow, that was it. I knew he was gonna. I knew he. I knew that was gonna be his angle. I I want to put my head through the screen right now, <laughs> just just on look the off the- chance that it might hurt you. <laughs> the look of just just straight disappointment in Sean's face. <laughs> He's such a little twerp. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh too. He knows it. He's, he's <laughs> Phil. Can you put him? Can you can you give him a swirly, please? Oh, gladly. I'll take all his lunch money too. And we're gonna get uh, root beer, folks. <laughs> Sounds great. Man, we haven't talked about giving Marco a swirly in probably 175 episodes. This <laughs> <laughs> is the last time he took a chewable enema. <laughs> oh. Oh God. Uh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Flush down the jam. <laughs> <laughs> we we also got a question from uh, from Harris over on the Discord. Got that in right before the bell tolled. Okay. <laughs> so Harris writes in and says, "Not random. Has the coronavirus Thank issue <laughs> affected your ability to get comics? Also, with a health concern like this." I guess he means will. Will. Yeah, will a health concern like this further damage brick and mortar stores in favor of online deliveries? Well, let's talk to the person who has coronavirus first. Sean, (laughs) has it impacted you? (laughs) Well, no, not me, but maybe everyone who was in the store with me when I went this week, you know, and all the comics (laughs) I touched and put back. See how it goes next week. (laughs) Because, you know, when you go to the comic book shop, you got to, like, feel the book, you know, see if it's the right one for you. You got to make sure that the edges are all proper. A lot of times you got to go through, like, 12 issues of the same comic just to find the right one. So... I don't know how many people now have to deal with that, but hey. Yeah, you have to breathe on the issue cover to see if it <laughs> wrinkles, and if it doesn't, it's like, oh yeah, this is the one. Yeah. Not to mention the taste factor. Everybody knows that. <laughs> of it's course. the most important. Smellable, lickable element. comics. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, when, when, when I go to my L uh, local comic shop, we typically do like drinks, so everybody there was just passing around different kinds of like alcohol. So I have no concerns. <laughs> Marco is fearless. So it's all it's all burned away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it was. It was an internal cleansing. Yeah, were you guys drinking rubbing alcohol? Something close to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what you're more likely to see is, and we're going to talk about it as Sean teased earlier, like, I think it's more going to affect, like, comics events rather than, like, shops, you know? Because, uh, except for the cities where it's already, like, you know, oh, there's a cause for concern or whatever, and there's, like, some kind of mass, like, effort at containing it going on, I don't really feel like it's going to keep people from going out and doing you know, just like regular shopping and stuff like that too much unless it gets worse than it is right now, which I mean, not to say that it won't. You guys aren't drinking like Coronas, are you? All the time. <laughs> no. I mean, I wouldn't anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> a nice light, like twist of lime. Always. Always. Yeah, Harris, I, I feel like uh, that's probably a concern for down the road. I think. You know, like I personally, as much as I just joke, I don't go to my comic shop and like, you know, shake hands with everybody that's there and cough on the books and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> even though I do maybe have possibly potentially the coronavirus, I'm not, you know, going out of my way to interact with every object that I can. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like that's a concern at the moment. Just wash your hands, everybody. Wash your yeah. hands. I will say when uh when when I walked in I hadn't been there in like maybe like a couple weeks so the owner saw me he's like Marco he's like hesitated for a second he's like yeah it's probably fine and like we like we gave me a hug and shit <laughs> and like, oh, what's going on well that wasn't because of COVID nineteen that was just because he you, you were stanky yeah yeah sweating yeah you're a real stanky boy <laughs> what'd you call it there Phil COVID nineteen that's the disease that's COVID-19. what it's called I feel like we should probably call it that. So coronavirus is the strain, that's the virus, but if you have it, it that's at that point called COVID-19, that's the disease. Oh, okay. So when I refer to myself, I'll refer to it as COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you would have COVID, right? right? COVID, yeah. Sean, yeah. He, Sean is COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> Corona, he, the, coronas, the coronavirus infected him, now he has COVID-19. Now and, he and is COVID-19. Be, Let's be honest, the phrase coronavirus, that terminology is really uh, discriminatory against corona beer. <laughs> yeah, and it's they certainly just not, feel that way. Yeah, it's not fair. How, how mad do you think their PR team was when this whole thing like went off? Livid. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like Kale has been definitely drinking Corona Extra, hoping that he'll get extra <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> 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 Oh, come boy. for me. Come take me. <laughs> <laughs> Wash over me, coronavirus. <laughs> they had actually launched a new uh, a new beer during the same, like around the same time, and it tanked. Oh, no. Really? Oof. Yeah. Awful. Bottled COVID-19. Didn't they, didn't they start doing the, uh, the seltzers or whatever <laughs> recently? Yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Harris, I get my comics online, so it's. I'm picturing like wrinkling out a shirt, and it's like, "Come get your bottled COVID nineteen. <laughs> if you're old, you'll die." <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> it's dark. I'm sorry. That was really dark. <laughs> you're disgusting, man. <laughs> this episode. Is hey, really I'm not the one to have to lung before the show. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, I'm post nasal drip. All right, no, what do you no, want? No, no, Pete, I'm yelling. Stop calling it that. <laughs> let's let's get into what the five. Let, let, all right, let's get into the palace pools. So from Pete up first, we've got Snot Girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it's a book that represents me, you know? Like, we talk a lot about how representation in comics is important, and this is a book that deals with somebody who has snot problems, like I do. So, you know, if, if you're like me, if you're one of the dozens of people who suffers every day from post-nasal drip, you gotta read Snot Girl. <laughs> what a plug. nasal drip. <laughs> You need oh my god <clears throat> wow uh and then uh from marco we've got tales from harrow county death choir number four. Ooh, this ends the new relaunch series of harrow county it's sort of like a spin-off that tells a story of one of the other sort of main characters uh cullen bunn and tyler crook are actually writing and the artist is naomi franquiz she's been awesome and the book's been really really good so i'm, I'm looking forward to see how this wraps up Nice. And then is this like the end of everything? I'm sure they have more stories because uh, it sort of ends with one of the characters sort of like just kind of going away and doing her own thing. And this is one of the characters that was left back in the actual county. So I'm assuming they might have future stories. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to get uh, Tyler back on see what's up. Cool. You you love Tyler Hit him up. and Colin Bunn. We know this about you. Yes. You also chose Sex, Death, Revolution trade. Yeah. Is this an autobiography, buddy? Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, this is actually by uh, Matt uh, Mags Bisaggio, Becca Farrow, Harry Saxon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a Black Mask book. So this has been getting really good praise. Uh, I, I enjoy Mags' work. I've read one other thing from her. I'm I'm forgetting the title, but uh, yeah, I mean I'm excited. She's one of those up and coming creators, especially within like the indie space. So go pick it up. It looks it looks like it's been dope. Awesome. Um, so moving over to Kale, uh, no one left to fight. Is this also about coronavirus? <laughs> What's that? Kale, you're muted, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, all right. So this is a book from um Otter uh no, Aubrey Sitterson. Uh he uh he he uh, was real big on Transformers and then there was that big uh, controversy around uh no, it was GI Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it was GI Joe. Uh, there was a big yeah. controversy about oh. comments about 9/11 or some shit. Yep. Anyway, uh this story is about a group of uh, sort of anime protagonists who are in, you know, like a, a Dragon Ball style story and they get to the end of it and then they have to like continue their lives and like figure out what to do next. <laughs> That's uh, a great pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to see what he's uh, what they've done here. Cool. Uh, and then you also chose Machine Wizards. Uh, machine Gun Wizards. Oh, machine gun so wizards. this this is uh, Christian Ward's uh, graphic novel. He, I believe he wrote and drew it. Uh, this is a guy that does the really um, sort of uh, abstract style um, art. He did uh, Odyssey with uh, Matt Fraction, and then he did uh, Black Bolt with uh, Saladin Ahmed. Uh, so yeah, this is his first like solo work, and he's he's got I know he's got some other people on it, but as I as I recall, this is the this is the work that he 
he himself wanted to put out. So I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what his uh, his vision is there. From Phil, we've got Batman Tales of the Demon hardcover. Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a collected series of racial ghoul stories from the seventies. So this is Batman, I think two thirty two to two forty four by um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. So if you like that good good shit, that's this baby. And you know what? In light of uh, in light of uh, you know Batman's getting kind of hot again, just might not hurt to do a little bit of homework. For what? Who's to say? Yeah. Who's sure. to say? Feel you on that. Uh, so for me, I chose Decorum number one. Oh, this, nice. Yeah. This is actually uh, Jonathan Hickman uh, back over at Image now doing a little something over there uh, with Mike Huddleston. And uh, it's got an interesting pitch. We don't know too much about it. Um, but this is the, the you know, tagline or whatever. There are many assassins in the known universe. This is the story of the most well-mannered one. Manners are a sensitive awareness of the feelings of others. If you have that awareness, you have good manners, no matter what knife you use. So, yeah. Not a lot is known about this. The art looks pretty good. Uh... And it's Jonathan Hickman. That's really all I need to know. They, did you see the trailer they have for it? Nope. Uh, on image, uh, imagecomics.com. They've I guess on their YouTube channel as well. They've got like a little, like a little sizzle trailer for it. Um, looks pretty, pretty damn good. Nice. Yeah. I'd um, love to read more Hickman image books. Same. East the West Book Club. Like oh. Pax Roma, uh, yeah. Romana or whatever. That oh, book looks good. Wait, was that him? Is that Peter David? Yeah. No. Ah. Black Monday Murders. Yeah, oh. Black Monday Murders. Manhattan Projects. Damn, all these books of his that I've like started and never finished because <laughs> they were just too <laughs> yeah. crazy. Uh, I got to go back to that. And then uh, Pete and I both chose X Men number eight. Yeah, I mean, last issue was hot fire, as we talked about earlier. So, I mean, they've been on a good clip, too. Like, the last few have been bangers for the most part. So, yeah. I'm. it feels like this book found its groove a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, excited for the next one. I hope it's of the same quality. It never missed. Phil's right about everything. Nah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I'm pretty sure all, you were no. one of the most vocal. No, I never said a mist. I was the one that was defending him when they were fighting plant old ladies. Were you? That, he, no, no, he was. He was. He That's was. true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Nah, that was a mist. Come on. <laughs> those first, those first few issues are, are like, you know, like they're hit or miss for some of them. But I feel like the last few have definitely been like knocked out of the park. It's been good nonstop, baby. It's a hell of a toboggan ride. Cool runnings. <laughs> Why wasn't it on your list then? It's a good question. Oh, because because it's always on my list. All right, so let's jump into the news here and talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Uh, obviously, done that. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it's been uh, you know it's been sweeping the world at this point. Uh, you know, the world is smaller than ever these days, and. 
Uh, unfortunately, with that, viruses can travel like wildfire. And one place where they are trying to avoid a major outbreak is Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, so Emerald City Comic Con is in Seattle. And with all of the news surrounding coronavirus, as the day uh, got closer to this event, um, more and more different groups and individuals were pulling out. Um, uh, DC pulled out. Uh, Dark Horse pulled out. Uh, Bendis pulled out. Uh, just personally. Um, you know, lots of different people pulled out. And it was a it was a a real debate on Twitter. Uh, you know, should you go to Emerald City Con? And uh, it's tough for creators, right? Like Brent Bendis doesn't need to be there. He can easily not go and be just fine. Uh, DC doesn't need to be there, you know. But somebody who's lower on the totem pole, not making as much money, you know. These creators order books to go to these events to then sell them. Um, obviously, they're getting them at a lower rate, but the point stands. This is a, a way to make extra income. And then, of course, you buy the ticket. You get your lodgings and everything else. You know, DC ain't flying them out. Marvel ain't flying them out. Uh, Image or whoever. So uh, it's a big decision. But ultimately, uh, the choice to not run the event at all was ultimately made um, by Repop. They're gonna offer refunds, and um, they're gonna they're gonna run it at a later time, or so they claim. Yeah. <clears throat> that's their goal, right? Yeah. Um, and like we've seen a lot of events like this get canceled recently. Um, there's a GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference, was a pretty famous one, and then South by Southwest in Texas, which is like a big music and like film event. Um, how the Olympics are talking as well. about so uh, you're going to see a lot more stories like this I think before uh, before it gets better but that being said what's really interesting about ECC or ECC see it's a really annoying acronym EC3 ECC see <laughs> EC squared tripled whatever Emerald Party City is Emerald what City. I'm going to call yeah. it from now the thing about Emerald City that's interesting is that read pop has been kind of an outlier, right? Because just two weeks ago, they had PAX East, even though like Sony had pulled out and there was like talk about, do they cancel it? Because there was an event in Boston and then they decided not to. And even a week ago about Emerald City, Reed uh, Pop made a statement where they were saying, we, we're, we're monitoring the situation, but we're not going to cancel it unless we're basically told to cancel it. So I think the question is, were they told to cancel it? Or was it because of the big pullouts from people like DC and Dark Horse where they felt like their hand was forced? Because I think the bigger concern for a show like that is having a bad year. Like we talked about when we went to Wizard World Philly, what, two years ago? And it was not very well organized. There wasn't really that much for us to do. And we stopped going to that show. And a lot of people stopped going to that show. And I think having a bad year where people feel like they spent all this money and they flew or they got a hotel or whatever and there weren't enough, you know, either like either the fans feel like there's not enough there for them to justify the cost or the creators feel like, wow, I spent all this money and there's no one here. Um, that is that could be the end of that show. 
you know? So a, a lot's that's changed though. So since that last convention and since this week, uh, up to 70 people in Washington state have been infected with coronavirus and 11 right. people have died there. That's, that's what's changed is that Washington state is the most infected state in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even PAX East in Boston, like the only cases in the East Coast have only just popped up this Florida's week. starting to get some, New York City's starting to get cases, New Jersey, but Washington's like ground zero as far as the United States is concerned. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, that said, it's, it, there's other cases popping up like this of cancel events. I mean, now the NBA is talking about players playing in entirely empty stadiums. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm looking at a headline that says uh, airlines are burning thousands of gallons of fuel flying empty planes so that they can keep their flight slots during the coronavirus. Yeah, outbreak. that's just insanity. That's though. crazy. That's, oh my um, God. And then obviously the Olympics in Japan, which I, I think at this point has the third most confirmed cases of coronavirus, uh, aside from canceling the Olympics this summer. They actually, from what I read, shut down Disney Japan. Yeah. Oh, really? Makes sense. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Um, and there are concerns about the Florida Disney and Universal uh, theme parks. There's uh, WrestleMania, for those of you who know about right. wrestling. Uh, is, in, is in Tampa this year, and there's concerns about that. Uh, they Florida should... just had its first confirmed death yesterday. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's 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 a serious situation. As much as we joked earlier, you know, you know, you got to make light of this of this stuff a little bit, have some fun. But it is it is a real uh, killing disease, and clearly here, I think we could all agree that the most prudent thing to do was just to you know push this thing back. We don't need to put ourselves at risk especially in a place where um there have been these deaths you know nine deaths that's nothing to sneeze at um yep. and, so to speak. well um <laughs> and it does make me wonder you know harris brought up earlier how will this affect brick and mortar stores and and things like that well you know we said maybe not so much but like down the road new york comic-con is coming up um, you know, major events of that of that nature in the comic space. You know, what happens there? And I think I think the this is sort of like an inciting incident for comics uh, festivals and things. Like Emerald City is probably the biggest comics only convention, but when you get into stuff like San Diego and and New York. Uh, then you're talking real industry pain. That's, I, that's interesting. I think, it, go ahead, it depend, see how this evolves? Because we're not, I mean, at the moment, nearly 100,000 people have coronavirus, most of which are in China, uh, obviously Iran, and it could be underreporting its numbers. But like uh, San Diego Comic-Con is what, two, three months from now? About yeah. July. July. Yeah, yeah and, it's a few and, more. And, and, and Trump talking to uh, pharmaceutical heads saying that they won't have a vaccine ready for another calendar year. Oh. Who knows how this will evolve into three months? Yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing is, uh, Kale, you brought up the point about San Diego and New York being more like pop culture events. And I think that um, New York, I could see maybe being okay because it is further down the road. But to Phil's point, like 
it doesn't seem like the end of the situation is is near by any stretch of the imagination. And I think when you think about a San Diego or a New York or any of those bigger caliber shows that do have celebrities and, you know, people from around the world and around the country flying to get there, I think those events are way more vulnerable um, than something smaller, you know, because you think about one of those events, right? Like, I think there, there's been a lot of kind of prognosticating around why some of these events are, are, are getting canceled. And when you think about something that's like an industry event like this, if you're a Marvel or a DC or a whoever, and you're, you even say you want to go to one of these and you don't feel like the concerns are that serious, you, you could be opening yourself up to a lawsuit. Because if you send your employees there and they get sick or they get stranded because the airport shuts down or or whatever, that's something that you could be held liable for in court because you made them go for work in a in a state of you know um, when there's a known virus out there, right? So like that's the other wrinkle to this is that I think for some of these events, even if the danger isn't that high there's probably going to be a lot of these companies that want to mitigate risk and be like, well, how much money are we going to lose not going to this event versus if we get sued by a ton of our employees or if a ton of our employees get sick and then they can't work for a month, you know, like how many books does that set back or how many games does that mean get delayed or whatever, you know, or movies fall behind schedule. Like Hell, the, pe- the NBA, people don't want to chance is- that shit. The NBA, which is bigger than any of these events other than maybe like Disney at San Diego Comic-Con, is saying, let's play games in front of empty crowds. That like That's right. the risk they're talking about taking. Right. And that's, and that's you know, it's the same thing, right? Because it's like, well, we can't let the players get sick. So, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because I think in terms of the overall danger of the coronavirus, right? Like, I think there's probably been... Not, I don't want to say that people are, like, being dramatic, but I think that there's a lot of, like, like if any of us were to get the virus, that we would almost certainly not die, right? Like, well, another aspect that is not really talked about is there are CDC officials who say that it's very likely that 40 to 60% of adults have coronavirus right now and are unaware of it because the early stages of it are asymptomatic. So it's possible that... Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's possible half the people on the show actually do have it and just are unaware of it. Uh, it's only really fatal for people with low immune systems and the elderly. But the main problem with it is it's really, really contagious. And that's what we're seeing. So, like, compared to, like, the big scare in Africa with, like, Ebola and stuff, that was really isolated to, like, Africa. That didn't really spread, like, the way coronavirus is across the globe. So that's right. what makes this health scare very unique. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I don't I don't mean to say it to to minimize it, you know, but I think the actual threat to any individual as a that isn't doesn't have a compromised immune system and isn't, you know, elderly or, or like a very young child. Um, I think it's it's more to like the normalcy of things that I think it's going to be dealing a huge blow in terms of like seeing all these major events get canceled and like seeing um, and, and not to say that that's more important than loss of life. Right. I, we're talking about money and, and pop culture events, but that's what we talk about on this show. Um, that is, I think where you're going to see like an insane amount of fallout. Cause the idea of every single one of these events, they can't all be delayed until 
you know, like, oh, we're going to delay until the summer. It's like, well, who says that by the summer it's going to be figured out, right? Like, an event, eventually, all these are going to get canceled. And the question is, how many of how many of these organizations that run events like this? Because a read pop, right? Read pop's probably fine. They're a big company that runs a ton of these events. And granted, they need to keep running them to pay their employees and and do what they do. But like for some of these smaller events or even some of the ones that are like struggling, like I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end of E3 because everyone pulls out and realizes they don't need it and it costs more than it's worth to go. And I wonder like what the fallout is for some of these events. Like, do they end up happening next year because they couldn't happen this year and they didn't make their money? Let, well, let Marco the, jump in. The 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 concern for the for the summer pushbacks, I think, is also like a little more minimal, just because typically for any sort of outbreak, any sort of infection, and just generally like sicknesses in general tend to decrease over the summer, just by habit of the the way that these viruses like live in the just generally uh hotter temperatures you know people are, are are doing whatever more outside but they are uh they aren't as typically contained like right now in the winter times you know we're indoors a lot more often so the contagion spreads a lot faster whereas being spread out a little bit more and also having the factor of weather come in and not to say that it's not going to go away but the typically be it like SARS, MERS, whatever those typically decrease in the in the summer or decrease in rate but uh to a point earlier where it's like down the road it's going to be not as big an issue i think over the summer it's going to be not as big an issue but it's going to make a huge comeback as it typically does in the fall or in the in the winter time for like later this year so new york, new york city comic con is going to be probably definitely canceled whereas i think the mm. move to emerald city uh to the summer and maybe even san diego might not be as big of a concern, um, mm. but again, you know, play it by ear for that. Well, that's one thing about, especially about New York City, is you, you know, you go down into the the subways, yeah. which are, you know, the 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 platform is cool, but the cars are a million degrees, and then you go outside and it's cold again, and then you go back into a, a building and it's a million degrees. So that fluctuation of temperature, you know, sure. lowers people's immune systems. You get people, you know, more sick. But listen, we all saw Space Jam where officials canceled basketball games because little aliens stole the powers of five NBA players. And they just couldn't figure out why. So, like, we know that people that run major companies and businesses and teams will cancel if they're at any if they're concerned at any level at all. So we can take a lot of lessons from Space Jam. Thank Great you, Space point. Jam. So uh, this is, you know, <laughs> it's a big threat, major deal. Uh, hopefully this can be contained, although I really don't see how. Um, protect yourselves. Do your due diligence. Wash your hands. Wash your face. Don't touch your face. If you got wash a beard. Well, that, that goes without saying. Uh, if you've got a beard, be careful. Um, just because a lot of crap lives in there. Uh, if you're a disabled person, you know, I feel, I feel for the disabled people right now because, you know, depending on the disability, just because, um, you know, those are people that are often forgotten about in, I mean, a lot of situations. And I think right now, you know, if you're, if you have some type of disability that affects your immune system, you know, um, you really are going to want to be super careful, um, Who's not being careful? 
who doesn't give a damn about this at all is uh, Disney. Disney Films. No. I was going to say Donald Trump. Uh, you know, he's at Mar. He went down to Mar-a-Lago to like yesterday. Dude, how great would it be if? Ne- <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Oh, easy. Boy. Is that is that too mess up? It's oh, the thought experiment boy. is nice. <laughs> right, you get it. You get where I'm coming from. Let's not. Oh, so, uh, according to Deadline, Disney is quote unquote adamant about keeping Black Widow's May one release date even though coronavirus is a problem and obviously has the potential to, or this movie, I should say, has the potential to pack people into theaters um, in a major way. Um, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> no, no one's going to see it. They're reporting, <laughs> they're saying that this movie could have been, there was talk about potentially relocating it to uh, November 6th, which is the Eternals date, and then moving Eternals into 2021. Um, but Deadline is saying that Disney is not interested in that at all. Uh, now, James Bond actually moved their date. Yep. Um, yep. They pushed back seven months. Damn. Even more time to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they moved back all three hours of that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's apparently a long movie. Now, uh, the thing with that that I think is interesting is uh, No Time to Die was was pushed. And it sounds like it could be for altruistic reasons. But the thing is that China is actually a major uh, film place. You know, like a lot of the money that these films make comes from China. And they closed every single movie theater. All 70,000. They're all closed. So a movie like No Time to Die, even a movie like Black Widow, actually. Scarlett Johansson is a major actor over there. Uh, If China is not a factor in the box office of Black Widow, I don't think you could make any argument that the movie just doesn't tank. Just because you've lost such a massive amount of the people who would otherwise go see this thing. And then, it's of just course, like how movies are made now. around the world, there are so many people who won't go to a movie theater. They're already disinclined to go. You can see these damn things like a week later on on, on demand or whatever. So, <laughs> I mean, do you guys think that Disney should move the release date of Black Widow? Or should they stream it on Disney Plus? That I, I think no way. I, I I don't think you can justify it because you lose so much money. Yeah. Uh, Do you? I feel like you just get more subscribers, and the marketing is already there. You just pull out of theaters. Mm, well, you, yeah, but you make more money on ticket sales. Ticket sales. Than, yeah, than you do on on a on the Disney Plus subscription. I guess in the short term. Plus, yeah, plus. You got to think about the theaters as well. They have contracts. Theaters are paying, yeah. Theaters are paying Disney to have that film. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's it's like tough, man, because I, I I can kind of see both sides of it. 
where like I think I understand not wanting to delay the movie because of what we're talking about, right? We're like there's not going to be a solution to this problem for probably another year, right? Like a real solution where we can eliminate the virus. And I don't see what pushing the movie back seven months really does. That's that much different than now. Like Marco yeah. was talking about, like by then we'll probably be back to a point where it's, it's a pretty big threat again. It's worse. So right. Or it's worse, you know? So like on one hand, I think that people want to people want to turn this into like a, a moralistic argument where it's like if you don't if you're not pulling out or you're not delaying your things like you don't care about anybody and like you're not taking this seriously. Um, but I think I think I actually saw Sabella tweeting about it where about ECC where it's like you know for some of these things like you know people's like ability to get paid and make money depends on hitting certain deadlines and like Disney can't and. Maybe Disney's a bad example because they have a war chest of money, but you can't necessarily just have all these films in development and then just sit on them for a year and like push your whole slate back and just be like, yeah, we just won't make money for a year. You know, like, so I, I don't know what you do with that, you know, and I'm not saying that Disney's um, right to not push it back or wrong to push it back because I don't really know what the answer is because there's also what you said Sean where them putting it out now could be sending it out to die anyway and let me, let me that stop makes you there. it it's a really complicated situation so just just to show you how important Asia in general is um, and well, we're not talking knows how important Asia is he's the East Master <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about even Japan right now. 35% of Captain Marvel's gross came from over there. From China specifically or just from Asia? From Asia without Japan. Yeah. Or or, or Russia or, or anything like that. Or So... So like probably China and South Korea. That's That's crazy. And I mean, it's certainly not unique to that, right? Like, we we talk about what a significant market that is all the time, and how that factors into the way that Hollywood makes movies. You know, um, you're you're ostensibly like cutting off a th a minimum a third of the market for the movie, and that's not great. You know. Um, I, and I don't, I don't know what you do with that. Because, I, I mean, I guess there's also always the argument that you could do, like, a staggered release where you release it in the West now and it gets released in China later. I, maybe that's an option that they're considering um, because then, you know, maybe you kind of can have your cake and eat it too a little bit where you can kind of mitigate some of the loss and – you know, and, and still get that market when you can. Yeah, but that's, I don't know, man. I don't know what the move is. That's not a bad idea. Like, especially considering like it's still in its early days here. And, you know, you can you can release it here, have whatever amount of money you make on it. And then when the situation starts to get better like elsewhere, release it there. I, I don't think that's like an impossible thing. Um, I think people might get might get annoyed because, you know, it's like, oh, the movie already came out. Like, you know, spoilers go around and whatnot. So... But I mean, from a a purely I'm trying to like financial perspective, I think 
that would make probably the most sense than risking it, risking zero attendance in in the Asian markets and having minimal attendance here, like to mitigate. Yeah, uh, it's a situation that we'll certainly learn more about real soon because May 1st is not far from now. So if there is a decision that's going to be made, it really needs to be made within the next, you know, few weeks. Um, and, and personally, I don't think they're going to move it. I think they're going to throw it out there and see what happens and sacrifice that Chinese dollar in the short term. And if the movie doesn't do well, who's going to really come at Disney when the coronavirus happened? You know, so it's it's not going to affect the perception of these films, I don't think. Disney would release a female-led movie during the coronavirus. <laughs> that's, that's, I was going to throw that out there, yeah. I was leaving that for someone else. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, what the fuck, Disney? <laughs> uh, oh my god the, the other thing is themselves. they they could just put it out and if nobody comes to see it they could just leave it longer sure <laughs> you know yeah we'll see we'll see what happens it's uh or they'll just fucking they'll just fucking re-release it like they did with avengers and they'll count all that box office money like it's brand new and i'm trying to watch that movie the from the safety the of my quarantine release. The post-COVID release. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quick question. Quick answer. If you could name three characters that you think would make for really good uh, uh, protagonists for a prose novel based on Marvel characters... Which three characters would you choose? Real quick. Herman Glob. Glob Herman. Herman Glob. (laughs) (laughs) There was such confidence there, too. Herman Glob. The first one. Passport. It was backwards. First one that comes to mind for me is Jessica Jones. You know, she's a detective that works as prose. Um, Uh, Spider Man. Nah. Captain America. Thor. Osmosis Jones. Uh, Jones Osmosis. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange would probably be good. Doctor Strange would be good. Fantastic. Four. I don't know. But, I mean, I guess it could be good, but I feel like with Doctor Strange, I feel like there's like such a visual element. I think I think you would lose some of that, but I also think you could play with that. Okay, fair enough. Harold and Kumar. <laughs> okay. Bugs Bunny. So. I'm going to point out that no one said the following characters who are actually being used for a line of books uh, in Marvel's team up with Asmodee, uh, who just launched a fiction imprint called Aconite. So these are the these are the characters that they chose. Uh, Domino for a book called Domino Strays. Doctor Doom for a book called The Harrowing of Doom. Okay. Uh, Legends of Asgard, the head of Ooh. Mimir, and Legends, I did say Thor. You did, and Legends of Asgard, the Sword of Surtur. What? So I was right twice. No, basically, no. I'd say Thor. <laughs> Legends of Ad- that I said says Mimir Thor and Surtur. 
Le- you said Legends of Asgard. Thor's Thor. name is not Asgard. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, for those two, I guess that makes sense because, like, obviously, fantasy is like big in in like actual novels. But yeah, it feels like weird picks to me. <laughs> do, you, do you mean in that it's a genre? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in that there are a lot of them in the genre. You fucking smartass. <laughs> No, he got your ass. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Fantasy's pretty big in novels. <laughs> I hate you. Um, I, hate I you think all. I think uh, you could probably. I think Doom you could do in the same way that we were just saying with like Doctor Strange. I think though, especially if you leaned on the magic side of it, yeah, uh, you could. You know, if you you could sacrifice the visuals for bigger concepts in uh, the the word space you know leave leave the images or whatever to actually to the readers um and that would that would do something i can kind of see domino it's like a spy mercenary thriller thing wouldn't be my first choice but yeah it makes sense yeah i'd rather see papa john instead of dominoes (sighs) i feel like son of a bitch (laughs) i feel like domino is just a weird choice because the character doesn't have a ton of like name recognition, I feel like. Well, I think Pete's suggestion of Jessica Jones is like a one, right? Like in they terms of slam dunk, right? <laughs> yeah, they just did that fairly recently, though, didn't they? Oh yeah, you might. Yeah, I think you're right about with the uh, what is it, lunchbox or uh, what was that? There, there was a there was a book uh, company that put out you very well Marvel right. books okay. I, a summer or two ago. I don't remember. Odd yeah, lack of man thing, were, but huh? I, Huh? Yeah. No, not really. Oh, okay. Not that odd. But if you're, if you want a specifically an ex woman, right? Um, I feel like Domino's probably like fifth down or or, or more. You know? Yeah, yeah like you're like ex women. Mystique? Mystique. Rogue could be cool. Rogue would be awesome. Storm be great. Jean Grey would be the best ever book. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, I just, you know, she's probably probably tenth or twelfth. Actually, I don't. <laughs> oh yeah, well, rather, uh, I, th- I think I'd rather read about the lady from the Morlocks more gosh, than Jean. Really, I feel like yeah, the lady from the Morlocks. Can you say her name real quick, just so we're all on the same page? Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. He Kale, muted himself Kale, because he doesn't have an again? answer. <laughs> I think you're muted again. <laughs> oh, he's muted. That's pretty good comic timing. Now he takes a big old drink of his whatever big gulp he's got from Seven Eleven. Yeah, diabetes in a cup. Well, you're, you, we really can't hear. Was you it though. Celeste? Am I right? No, you're wrong. Damn, it's supposed to see, right? Yep. Ah. No. I won't answer the question. No, because Kale's gonna look it up because he's a cheater. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> look at him. He looked it up. That bastard. A Chet tear. He's typing and all right. So now that we've proven that Kale, does a cheater, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw you typing. I know you went into Google. I was typing to tell no. you the answer because my <laughs> fucking microphone. Oh my god! I don't believe you. You need more people. I'm not a cheater. I know everything <laughs> about the Mordocks. <laughs> the Mordocks? <laughs> I know about the Mordocks. Celeste is the leader. That's a pretty solid impression. 
I remember when Stanley invented the X Main. <laughs> so anyway, the X Main. <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass with my cane. I just thought it was interesting that these were the characters that were chosen. Obviously, if if the authors involved have stories that they specifically want to tell with these characters, then great. You know, if that was the reason why they were chosen. But I have a hard time believing that to be the case. Um, I also have a hard time thinking why Marvel would choose these characters specifically, though. Because it's like a bunch of, you know, like we said, like lower tier characters or two stories that might not even be about popular Marvel characters at all. And then Dr. Doom, who until very recently has kind of been on the bench. Uh, no, he hasn't. Yeah. There's been, there's been some pretty decent doom media out there. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess for the last couple years anyway, right. Cause he was at the center of, um, no, for, for a while. Secret Wars was uh, yeah, five, five years, years ago. ago now, and he was the main character. Uh, he, but he's never left Marvel since then. Like he's been pretty uh, steady, but like he's not in a movie. To your point, um, so yeah, anything else really? I, I don't know. It's a it's a weird it's a weird grouping of characters, um, but I would hope that these books are good. It's just weird because like you look at DC, right? And DC will do a book. But it'll be a Batgirl book, or it'll be, I think they had a Cat, Catwoman book, um, or it'll be, a, you know, a character that is really popping. But then when Marvel does a book, I mean, they've, they've done other books, don't get me wrong, but then it's like Domino. I don't know. Nothing against Domino. I love her, but, you know, within a subgrouping of characters, she's probably still C-list. Yeah, I mean, like, if you if I asked you right now to name 10 x-men related characters would domino be on that list no like, if probably you, not you said 20 she wouldn't come up for me right so, exactly <laughs> well, if you said ecstatics i'd be like oh yeah domino now it's a subgroup of a you subgroup could, you know what yeah you could even say you could even say uh ecstatics i wouldn't know what you were talking about <laughs> now that i think about it though i got I mean she was in, in deadpool 2 but she was Gail, Gail Simone had a uh, yeah reportedly a pretty solid run. It was. I don't know. It's it's weird, but just thought we would uh, throw that out there if you guys are into this. Uh, we don't have any information at all about anything other than the characters that are going to be uh, in these books. But uh, you like books? You like Marvel? This sounds like it's up your alley. What's up, my alley? is that the band Dance Gavin Dance has a new album coming out. And alongside that album, we're getting a graphic novel. They're teaming up with Z2 Comics. These things pop up all over the place uh, (laughs) to put out Robot's Tale, a Dance Gavin Dance graphic novel. Z2 recently worked with Poppy and Skillet uh, to popular groups. Skillet. Yeah, yeah. Weird, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Skillet was my, my thing. Like, whenever they were, like, really popular, I was into them. Listen, you want to talk about a semi-mainstream Christian rock yeah. band? This Skillet's top of the list. Yep. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It ain't, it ain't nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Um, oh, my God. So, skill it up, right? Skill it, man. Come on. 
Um, the numbers are plummeting. Good for them, right like. now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is from the press release. Mirroring the band's deconstructive approach paired with humor, Robot's Tale brings together the comic book wit of writer Elliot Rahal and artist Ian McGlinty, who utilize the band's animal imagery to tell a story with heady themes of existence as experienced through the perceptions of its anthropomorphic antagonist upon the discovery that the universe is merely a simulation in which all living things are trapped. Jesus. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean- so... Yeah, the, Go ahead. The, this is interesting. I mean, I, I've I've listened to and read those Shadow People. Uh, they've in the past also released their own, you know, an album alongside with like a specific arc, like one to no, like three to four issues of just like a general story. And it's been it's been interesting because you can sort of insert the music into like while you're reading something, it adds you know certain effects to. Uh, or like it helps to elevate some of what you actually do read and you can also just listen to it standalone and i mean yeah the, the, these kind of things are, are cool maybe a little novel but uh it's fun so yeah really really cool to hear that other people are doing it sort of experimenting with experimenting with it because it's it's definitely different yeah um i'm a fan of the band so and i love the fact that this this book is telling a story that kind of matches the kind of storytelling you would get on one of their albums. So I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Z2 having worked with Poppy, uh, which I know that was a successful book. Yeah, Katie worked on one of those. So uh, I just think this is interesting, and it prompted me to want to ask you guys, what's your favorite comic book that is based on another, like a non-comics property? bonus points if it's a band or something like that uh for me i i've talked about it on the show a good amount it's the life is strange book um because i didn't really i went into it with pretty i'd say middling expectations because i usually don't like when it's there's like a comic book continuation of another property because i feel like whether it's you know um whatever the thing right like Moving from one medium to another and not being an adaption is already a tough sell. And I think when you think about how personal, how a lot of good art comes from a very personal place, and then you're asking someone else to pick up that thread and tell it authentically, and I think that's really hard um, in general. So when I picked up the Life is Strange book, it was very much as a, like, well, I'm a fan of Life is Strange and I want to, like, see if this is any good, you know? And the fact that um, it really clicked with me and I've, like, continued to read it and to want to read it because it's continuing some narrative threads in a way that the games are not interested in continuing anymore and in some ways can't. Uh, and that's, like, been really, really rewarding for me as a fan, you know? So. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the only one that I think I've ever had a real connection with because I've read plenty of other stuff like that and it always leaves me feeling kind of like it just feels like some Elseworlds bullshit, not something that really feels like it's a part of the universe. And I think the fact that Life is Strange not only builds in the whole multiverse thing as part of its universe so that like that is justified to have this be its own just like well this is one way that things could have played out 
Um, it feels true to what I know the voice of the characters to be and for them to like make actions that feel informed by decisions that they've made in the past and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the only thing I can think of is I guess the power Rangers. That's yeah. yeah that's, I remember that when and Pete said uh, multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the only, I think book that I've read that was based off a separate property. Um, and yeah. I mean that, that's, it's been yeah. It's, it's, it's Marco, what about series. Bionicle? Oh, bro! Life changing. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, yo, Bionicles was a shit that I was invested in as a young child beyond belief, and I consumed those books. And then, like, I would play with the the toys all the time. So, like, it helped elevate that the the storylines that you would play alongside with them. So, Pete, what a shout out, dude. Nice. We know your ass. I know. Oh, dude, you know what? Actually, and Kale, I, you might pick up on this one. Uh, that reminded me of another one for me, which was the Pokemon Adventures manga. Yeah, they're very good. They're very good. Very good. That was like the OG Pokemon manga. And yeah. I, I don't know what it was o- called overseas, but when we got it, it was called Adventures. And it was about red, blue, and green. And like yeah. he had a Poliwhirl yeah. as like one yeah. of his first Pokemon. And oh. Those books were the best. Weirdly violent too, like yeah. I think, and like it, really scary sometimes. Like the ghost yeah. arc was creepy. Like yeah, ooh, it was good. Um, sorry, Phil, go ahead. Okay, uh, my first thought was the IDW Transformers books. Uh, those were some of my favorite reads in high school. Um, I always forget you like Transformers. Yeah, I have a bunch at my parents' house. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> wow, Mr. Bionicle. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, of course. Gotcha uh, back. The other thought I had was a book I got near Comic-Con, uh, which is The Twilight Man, which is the story of Rod Serling and the birth of television. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that was really cool good. And my roommates read that too by uh, Corin Shadmaid. Uh, that was really cool. So it was kind of a bio piece of like Rod Sterling's life, but also like uh, contemporarily, like you know, the golden age of television. Or I, I guess that's not what it's called because I feel like people call like the last fifteen years the golden age of television, but like the birth of it. So like when TV was really getting fired up, that was really good too. Awesome, kill. Uh, yeah, I guess since Marco said Power Rangers, I would say the. Uh... The Over the Garden Wall and Adventure Time uh, adaptations are both really, really solid uh, adaptations. They work really well for the voices of the characters. Um, and especially with Over the Garden Wall, they do a really, a really, really good job of keeping with the sort of anthology-esque nature of the cartoon but also um, making it kind of creepy. I um, I just watched that for the first time uh, last week, uh, uh, this past fall. That show was uh, amazing, dude. Tremendous, yeah. yeah I watch it every it's year. So good. Uh, what was uh, the thing? You had a you had a you had an adaptation on your poll list two weeks ago or so. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Nope. Boy. 
don't know what he's talking about, but the Ultraman, right, is coming out through Marvel. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yep, from Marvel. Uh, there, there is a, a manga for that that's different from the show, but this one, yeah, this one will be closer to uh, the the show. Awesome. By all accounts, so, yeah. Uh, for me, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, the ongoing right now, Buffy's my favorite mm. character in media, and uh, the book is just incredibly good, so I'm really happy to have that now. Um, but we're talking about a band and Coheed and Cambria, actually. Yeah. yeah they, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. Their their comics are tremendous. And what's so cool about it is that uh, all of their albums, Sans 1, tell a story that's a part of a really long narrative. Uh, Claudio Sanchez, growing up a fan of comics, wanted to do that kind of thing in music. And, you know... The band saw so much success that now they're able to do that in their books as well. So if you're a fan of the music and you listen, you can definitely see on the page what's going on in the music and vice versa. It's called yeah, Armory Wars, right? Amory. Amory Wars. Yeah. I got to get my hands on those. Tail, I looked it up. It was okay. I Love Dogs. Oh, yeah. The Wes Anderson film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you ever read that book? Did that Does that qualify? I did not. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so. Pro tip: Don't ask Kale if he reads the books. Moving right along. Yeah. Uh, before we before we move <laughs> on, uh, quickly, uh, Ian McGinty is the uh, he he does a lot of sort of I, I would say along this conversation he does a lot of adaptations. Like he he worked on Adventure Time and Steven Universe and Hello Kitty and uh, Bravest Warriors and Sonic the Hedgehog. So he has a re- a very um, sort of cartoon animal-esque you know style to uh to his art so yeah so if that's if it looks like what i think it will look like that's gonna be real cool and uh actually i just remembered hello star wars like that's some good shit totally Mm, sure it's all right all right then they're fine nah vader down bro Oh, yeah, Vader, Vader down. Vader down was crazy. Oh, get out Vader of here. Vader two thumbs down. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, all right. So moving right along, we're going to talk about Jim Lee. So with all that's going on with Dan Didio and his ousting from DC Comics, that makes Jim Lee now the publisher the the solo publisher and uh he's also the chief creative officer now at c2e2 he did he had a spotlight panel and he spoke about how they're probably not going to replace dan didio and that jim lee will be the man in charge uh he said there's continually new things going on and i look at being sole publisher now and the team i'm working with much more in the trenches now than ever before. Uh, We've been with Warner Brothers for decades. The actual strategy is for DC to put publishing at the center of what we do. It's the engine of all the movies, TV, cartoons that we do. And so it's my intent going forward as the publisher to lean into the collective years of my team. So we talked about who might replace Dan Didio. And in that conversation, I think we, you know, mistakenly left out 
the idea that Jim Lee could just do this by himself. Uh, he has been doing it for a while at this point, albeit with Dan, but there's no reason why he can't just, you know, devote more time to that job and do it by himself. They don't have to replace him. Uh, Dan, that is. How do you guys feel about that? I think when we talked about it last week, um, I threw out my doubt that that would happen unless they were willing to pay him a lot more money or if he really wanted that creative control. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's got tons of experience and the idea of him like just steering the ship on his own now is not, it's not crazy at all, right? I mean, he's already in that role. He is intimately working with all the people that are there. You don't have to bring in someone new and acclimate them to what's going on. And if he feels like he needs to bring on someone else to shoulder some of that work at some point, at that point he can appoint somebody himself. Sure. So it makes a ton of sense. Now the question for me is what – so it's, I guess it was kind of difficult to exactly you know, divvy up who did what the last seven years at DC Comics? Like, okay, what was what was Dan DiDio responsible for and what was Jim Lee responsible for? And there are certainly things from before Jim Lee was uh, chief publisher at DC that you could say stylistically, well, this seems like a Dan DiDio thing to do. But you couldn't really be sure. It was speculative. Now, going forward we'll have a real sense of what Jim Lee, the publisher, what his vision is and what that will look like. It's not impossible to speak about the division of labor yeah. between them. Um, yeah. Jim was more the guy who did like the video game stuff and a lot of the, a lot of the, the, a lot of the ancillary stuff to like the weekly comics was Jim. You know, whether it was a video game, whether it was a book deal, whatever it was outside of the main comic stuff, a lot of that was Jim. Dan was more hands-on with the the weekly books and being involved with the creators and things like that. Jim had a lot of contact with artists, Dan with more writers, that kind of stuff. So was Jim sense. responsible for then like the move to uh, to get DC and like bookstores and stuff like that? Or from what I recall, a lot of that stuff was was his his movement interesting and with video games uh i specifically remember meeting jim lee the only time i ever met jim lee was because he was throwing a launch party for the dc universe online game um yeah hmm. that he had worked a lot on i uh, was very very they used his with. They used his designs, didn't they, yeah. for most of the oh, yep. the cool. characters? I, I yep. think with that with that context, I'm confident that he'll bring a a much more like progressive sort of, I guess, continual storyline in, in in the sense that like he you know he had the idea to uh, start up the the book side of it. So like he, he was thinking about just more than the actual contents of the story. He was thinking about like its distribution. He was thinking about what would be new in different spaces. So I think to that, that gives me confidence that outside of story content that he is thinking about different things that maybe are outside of the realm of comics, but could be integrated and be thought of like to be used differently. 
Um, yeah. Do you do you remember when we? It was around the time we first started recording the show. They they said their big focus was going to be on standalone stories. Mm where things weren't necessarily in a continuity, but if you knew it, it would be fine. And if you didn't, even better. No, it wasn't quite DCU, because we we started after that. Yeah. Uh, But I wonder wonder if we'll see more of that actually coming to fruition. It's hard to say. Uh, He also talked about some of the rumors that, you know, some of the rumors that we talked about here on the show. Uh, last week, he addressed them, you know, vaguely, but uh, he said to address some of the stuff that is out there, there's rumors, there's speculation. I wouldn't put any credence into it. DC has been around for 85 years and will be around for another 85 years. I hope to be doing this panel in 85 years. Optimistic. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> he also talked a little bit about 5G. He said, it's hard to talk about things we haven't announced. Intention is not to do a line-wide reboot. Our focus in talking to the editorial team is to continue what we've done best, character-driven stories, pairing right creators on right characters, and developing characters that are inclusive and diverse. That That's the thing that's really stuck out in all of this, is this kind of shift in the 5G conversation. So, yep. coming out of Doomsday Clock, it's, it felt very much like 5G is going to be another line-wide relaunch of DC comics. And the reception of that was understandably very negative. People were not interested in all the kind of leaked details coming out of it. And of course, soon after that, that's when Dan DiDio left. And it seems like it was, it's probably too late to completely abandon ship on 5g. But I think my impression of what Jim Lee just said is we're going to scale back what this actually is significantly yeah that was something that we talked about last week and my feeling then was that yeah they probably can't just outright cancel 5g but they sure can minimize it as much as they need to to yeah because obviously it was causing a lot of stress and strain behind the scenes so if the guy who was spearheading it isn't even around anymore why focus so hard on getting that done? Um, and it wasn't going to last anyway. So, you know. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think we'll still see the introduction of some of the characters that were rumored, or do you think they're going to like really downplay all of that? It depends because yeah, like the only thing we really heard for sure was that like, well, I mean, I guess we didn't hear anything for sure, but one of the biggest rumors that we heard were. Things like uh, uh, Luke Fox is going to be Batman. Well, like, and, and wasn't it that Superman and Wonder Woman were also going to get taken off the board and that it would be Jonathan? Uh, yeah, something like, yeah, 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 that's right. There were, I don't remember who was going to replace Wonder Woman, but. Yeah, I, we, I mean, we could probably see bits and pieces of that, but. Uh, you know, if the, if the implication was that's how it was going to be going forward, similar to Superior Spider-Man, for example, like DC was never going to go for that, especially with the Matt Reeves Batman film coming out well, and when, Wonder Woman. Well, keep in mind, during The Dark Knight, Dick Grayson was Batman, so. Yeah, but those those films, I, I think, were pretty 
disconnected. That was a different and, time. And it was a different time. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think you can compare. And I think this is a mistake that we make too often sometimes. And not us specifically, us, the community. Like, com- well, Phil. Well, sure. Because, hey, hey, hey. like, the Dark Knight trilogy, when, when was Rises? 2012. 12. Right? So even that is eight years ago. You know, and like the media landscape has changed a lot since then. You know, and, and I don't think that I don't I don't think that things are nearly that divorced anymore. You know, like I think that DC is and not just DC, but like the big two in general is is always trying to like create a pipeline for more, right? Because like even with Marvel, right, they had this introduction of here's all these new diverse characters, the ones who hit are now getting, like, put in games. They're getting, you know, like, Kamala's going to get a TV show. And, you know, uh, Miles had Spider-Verse. Like, now those characters were in publication for a few years. Now they're getting pulled pull over to become A-list characters like, you know, anybody else. And what did the line do, right? It's like, okay, cool. Now we're going to bring back all the legacy characters because that's what the readers want. And now all these characters that were the new groundbreaking characters are just part of what's already going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if DC wants to do that for themselves as well, because man, how great would it be if we had two Batman? Love you know? it. Uh, obviously the, it sounds at- terrible, but, in, but that's the thing, right? Like it sounds terrible on the onset, but if it comes out and it's good and it hits and there's a generation of kids who are like, Oh, I love, I love him the same way that a generation of people loved Wally West or a generation of kids loved Miles Morales. Like that's now you have two Batman that you can leverage in different ways and make a ton of fucking money. on. Give me a Batman, the Batman, Batman Adventures, (laughs) Detective Comics, Detective Comics Adventures. This is already a thing, but (laughs) (laughs) it's already the status quo. It's already a status quo. Obviously, attempts by Marvel and DC to have more synergy with like a film, uh, film studios has definitely ramped up the last few years. But to say that like oh it was a different time is completely disingenuous to the fact that like these were things they kept in mind even back in 1992 because the entire reason Batman the animated series was made was because of Batman Returns. But if you want to like focus on 2008 or 2012, like there was the Brian Azzarello book where they deliberately made the Joker look like Heath Ledger or in 2012 when they were actually making Bane wear the same style of trench coat he wore in the Dark Knight Rises. Like they were aware of this shit even then, like and it was really on the nose. So like aware, yes, but like not to the level that, you know, we're describing like, you know, the the Avengers hyper uh, hyper militaristic Captain America showed up in, you know, uh, in the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, fair. Uh, <laughs> Nick Fury is black now. Like, you know. Right. And like, I, I guess my point is less that there weren't reactionary moves in comics to react to what was going on in film. I'm saying that I think comics and superhero media in general was a less synergistic proper like proposal than it is right now because like you see marvel and the way that they're like that they as a company have like taken so much control over their their ip and like marvel is like it's less scattershot now you know like it's it's like there's this like you have what's going on in the comics that does relate and inspire to the way that they adapt 
other properties on film and television and it is in this like kind of like feeding into itself cycle but then like they've also come together in a lot of ways in terms of like the way that video games are getting produced the way that like mobile games are getting produced like it, it's such a a well-oiled machine now in the way that this stuff is developed and marketed that was still kind of like bur- burgeoning at the point that we're talking about then, you know, yeah, nothing you're like, saying is contradicting what I said. I agree. I said, it's ramped up. Obviously civil war two was made because of the civil war, civil war movie. Captain Marvel's pushes and a lister is within the intent of the movie. I, I understand all this. It's just, yeah, this was stuff they were doing 25 years ago to a lesser extent as well. Is all I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. All right. So, we have to talk about Sean Gordon Murphy. Now, Sean Gordon Murphy is a writer-artist who's probably more known in general as a as an artist. Um, but of late, he's really been doing big things at DC with White Knight. And it's been pretty successful. I've talked about it a lot. And I'm a big fan okay. of it. Um, and now, he says that DC has actually greenlit... Uh, spinoffs through Black Label of White Knight um, that's going to be a sort of imprint over at uh, Black Label. So he says, big news, actually. DC wants a mini imprint of White Knight. I'll write the bones for new minis, and they'll set up the writer-artist team. It'll be done between new volumes of Batman White Knight. It'll be the Murphyverse. Stay tuned for books on Harley, Nightwing, and Batgirl. So, that sounds cool. But the internet was pissed. What? The internet was really pissed. What? So, Sean Gordon Murphy has a reputation that's developed over the last probably two years of flirting with and courting members of Comicsgate. Uh, He's probably the most Comicsgate adjacent non-Comicsgate member in the minds of uh, Twitter. Comics Twitter. Sean Gordon Murphy? Yep. Yep, absolutely. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, Yeah. Mark, are you you feigning surprise? No, I'm just just genuinely surprised. surprised. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Huh. So, like I said, a lot of blowback on this announcement. A lot of people very upset that he has worked with Comicsgate people before, including uh, a very disappointing member of... I I, I don't know if you want to say he's a member of of the movement, but um, he certainly is, uh, you know, a a bad actor, I guess. Uh, Doug Ten. Lapel, Ted Lapel. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He is actually the guy uh, who created Earthworm Jim. Right. Right. What? Okay. Wait, Earthworm yes. Jim is a Comiscape book? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, he created no, Earthworm no. Jim like a long time ago. But, game. Uh, yeah, the video game. Um, but now, I guess he's just on the side of evil. He's just an asshole. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, so, he... And, and and Murphy have a relationship. Um, and a lot of people are very mad <laughs> that they have a relationship. So 
recently, he, like I said, Murphy was was taking a task about the fact that this guy has made comments about trans people uh, that were, you know, screwed up and, you know, uh, uh, different things like that. And Murphy came out and uh, made an apology for for uh, working with this guy. So he said, I recently did a cover for a creator, but it's been brought to my attention that the creator has posted opinions that are anti-LGBTQ. I've spoken with that creator and the cover will now be pulled from the project. Um, he went on to say, anyone who knows me knows I'm a big supporter of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. From the hard workers at my publisher to my fellow creators to the people who in my own family. I'm sorry if I hurt or upset anyone. I've always wanted my work to be about inclusion and about people working together. It's a major theme in my Batman work. But I can't be connected to opinions that hurt the LGBTQ community that's meant so much to my life and my upbringing. That's a pretty solid apology and 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 like action to go with that apology would you guys agree yeah i would um because i think i think there are definitely people who will respond to that and say that that's disingenuous and he's just like covering his ass um but we've heard a lot of like very pr non-apologies from people um and i don't this doesn't sound like that to me because he very much you have something to say sean yes i do Okay, jump I'm gonna in. stop Go you because this guy is saying, and, and I, I'm a big fan of Sean Murphy, but I have to call BS when I see it. Nice. <laughs> he's lying. Where <laughs> he's saying, do it. I've, it. He's saying it's been brought to my attention on March 6, oh. 2020. Two years ago, he was brought to task for the same exact thing. Damn. <laughs> he already knows what this guy's opinions are. In fact, at the time, he literally said, "We don't agree on everything." But I grew up a fan of his oh, of his uh, video game, and it's been such an honor to have him as a friend. And blah blah blah. Wow, I love when you do that. When you get the one-two punch, <laughs> it's he yeah. also. He also has been uh, busted for, uh, and the person who who pointed all this out runs uh, the Twitter account Creator Resources, who or Creator Resource, who uh, you know they help connect creators and and help foster you know independent projects. Um, but the the person who runs that account also called him out because he was he he had also worked with uh someone uh her name started with a k it was like uh caitlin something um she's a, a sort of a um uh you know the the gun the gun girl she she <laughs> she's like that she she seems like this but for comics she poops herself <laughs> yeah what's her name i can't i can't remember that's that's what i was hoping to find um, but it's, it's, I, I know it starts with a K. Gun girl? We don't need to say her real name. Who gives a shit about No, 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 not her, not her. No, 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 the, the comics equivalent. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Well, anyway. Yeah. And that's, and that, my point being, that's been a long-standing thing where he's been called out on it again uh, before. 
Well, not that long ago, he was also called out uh, by Stephanie Cook for working with Blake Northcutt. That's who I was thinking of, Blake Northcutt. Okay, there you go. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it started with a K. My bad. So, again and again, there have been, like, these aren't even the only examples of this. Um, I don't know what he's playing at. Um, a lot of people feel as though he uses language that is appealing to comic skaters. Um, and a lot of that is like, you know, it gets really like in the weeds, right? Um, with knowing their specific lingo. But this tweet that I'm about to read was something that they felt like was a dog whistle uh, towards uh, comic skaters. He said, rules of the Murphyverse. Dead characters stay dead. No inner monologues, not a fan of using them. Stuff comes out on time. Only the best talent who puts customers slash readers first. It's number four that people feel is a dog whistle. Because comic skaters always talk, always talk about putting the readers first. That's their one of their biggest talking points. And so a lot of people saw that and got on his butt for making a statement that feels like it's talking to those people. And I don't know how to feel about this because, like I said, I really like his work. I'm a big fan of his work. And I like what he said about standing up for LGBT people and how that's, you know, such a a big part of who he is as a person. And a lot of comic skaters say that their movement is not about hate. But when you see the actions, right, yeah, mm. it's just it's like I can't vibe with that. And then it lines for you, up too well, yeah. And then in this digital age, where a per everything a person who's famous has ever said is is out there, it's just real hard for me to believe you when you tell me you didn't know that this creator who you've looked up to your whole life, who you're now working with, has these opinions. It's really hard for me to believe that. And if you don't care because you love them that much. That's your prerogative. But just say that. Don't lie. Because two years ago, you got called out for the same thing. Yeah, and I don't know that it's like about the lie necessarily. And I feel like you can... I don't know. I The the, the initial reaction where uh, he was like, he's not allowed to, to do this and people are freaking out because like of the, the comments that this guy made. Like, fine. Fair. To me, it also seems as like, okay, but then I don't know, if, if, he, if he was going to work with this person, let him work with this person. It's his prerogative. The, the outside opinion on that, I think, is the outside opinion on that is, I don't know, not fair, I think, to, to the extent that, cool, you can have an opinion on it, but his is the opinion that matters. And in that, like, like uh, uh, Murphy working with this person. Right. So so when you say his is the opinion that matters, you mean Murphy's? Yeah. Right. And, and if, okay. he, if, if he agrees that he's not aligned with this person and he doesn't agree with all of his opinions or any of his opinions to whatever extent, right? Like, he can work with this guy. I, it's It's not to say that it's fine for him to work with a person who represents this thing but it's fine to him work to work with a person whether or not he disagrees or agrees with him 
Um, and I don't think it's like helping him in any way. Or what was the guy's name? Doug. Like I, I think. Oh I think, yeah, Doug. I think like they, they, if they, they have a working relationship, uh, and they have some sort of friendship that is a mixed bag because like cool, you say this shit, you say this stupid shit. I don't agree with it, but like fine. At the end of the day, like we're we can kind of vibe. I don't know. I I I think the 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 statement might not have been might not have been necessary unless it's to sort of quell what everybody else is reacting about it. Let me let me ask this. Um, so last week we talked about Dynamite's uh, CEO or whatever made a uh, uh, oh a yeah. Big, he he made the keynote speech uh, for the Comics Pro Retailer Summit or whatever, and his big point was that um, a lot of retailers are leaning more into cancel culture, and because of that, it's it's uh, preventing new things like Saga or uh, you know the the list goes on, and and one of the things we were confused about is like sort of what's his you know what's his gauge here would be it sounds like he's using mixed signals and i know we kind of settled on the the retailer aspect of it do you guys see this as like this as a situation as that that could be an example of it yeah to some extent in that people react to where they see one person being Murphy emblematic of something and then this other person emblematic of something else and that because of those two things they have to be polar opposites and those polar opposites can't interact to some extent but I think because uh, uh, I, I did I, I did hear your your guys uh, conversation on that but I think there's I don't know th- there's that gray area of of like that makes it not okay, but just makes it an action. That just it's just a thing that happened. If that makes sense. Makes what a thing that happened? Like Murphy drawing a cover for this person. That's just a thing that happened. I see. So if I can speak for you, what you're saying is that the people are applying value and meaning to a thing that he just did. And sure. that it's not necessarily a statement that he's making by doing that. Is that accurate? Right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. to respond to that, I I think there's – I have two thoughts there where I think it is a statement because I think every action is a statement, right? Like him doing this work for someone who he either does or doesn't have a relationship, right, with but is aware of – their stance on um or or their comments on lgbt people and then he also releases the statement where he says that that's core to his being and that's you know his family and that's a theme in his work and everything those are two dissonant points um actions speak louder than words right exactly and i think whether you want to make the argument that like Sean said, where he 
acknowledges these things about this person, but sees past them because he connected with their work or whatever, or or like you said that they they connect on some other personal level as creators. Um, that you know, I guess if if you can reconcile that, then that's your decision to make. But um, that is a statement, you know, that is a statement that you're making to say that. Well, I don't care about what this person says. Right or I don't care about their attitudes about about queer people, and that making that statement is or or, or um you know in, endorsing that person by putting your name on some of their work and contributing to their art and like that that is an action that carries weight whether you think it should or want it to or not right um and maybe it doesn't mean anything to you but it definitely means something to a queer person uh, and I think. That is that those those two actions like don't don't speak to one another. And I think that's like the point that Sean's making, right? Where like he's been called out for this before and he had one thing to say about it, and now he's acting as if it's the first time that this has happened and that he wasn't aware of it before. And like that's totally disingenuous, you know? Um no matter how you slice it. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that he wasn't lying about it, but I guess what what I'm saying is I can see I can see a world in which I can do this thing, not align myself with this person, but do do a job. I I think the thing is Sean Gordon Murphy isn't really in a place where he needs to do a job. Well, even if he wants to, you know? like, but but that's like like fair. But but if he cared about it, why would he want to? Right, and I think that's the thing. Well, because this is a this is a creator who he admires or respects. Right. Well, I mean that's kind of, I mean that's the the crux of the problem. But not in totality, right? Like you, he doesn't respect him in totality. He respects the aspects of him that he's been affected by, but he can still disparage the aspects that he doesn't align himself with. Yeah, but but I think that like there's a big difference between I think there's a world of difference actually I'll say between saying I can reconcile the fact that a person whose work I admire did bad things in their personal life or has politics that I don't agree with or x y or z. Working with them and putting your name on their work and everything is is a is a way different action because like reading someone's work or engaging with someone's work is not the same thing as contributing contributing or or putting them over in some way or or whatever right like like adding your voice to their own like that is you as a creator that's like the most powerful thing that you can do is create something right so i i i don't think that i don't think that like you can look at it as like just a job because it's not like he's doing commercial work or he's doing, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it is commercial work, but I mean like he's doing it because he admires that creator and ignoring the statements that he made that he allegedly disagrees with and are, are very, very foreign to his politics, you know? And I think like, even if you're saying it's just a job, then he's taking money at the expense of his politics, which is also not a great look. But then are you advocating for it? Are you advocating? Are you not advocating for its creation then? 
How do you mean? Like, are you advocating for it to not have been created? His work? Yeah. No. no, no, no. Sean Gordon Murphy. I mean, Sean Gordon Murphy doing that work. Is that the point that I'm making? Would would you advocate for that then? I guess I'm saying if that if if what Sean Murphy's saying in his statement is true, then yes, I would. I don't know, man. That's and that's my opinion, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, but I'm not I'm not saying that that's right, but I'm saying that like like I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, at at most it's like you know, and I and I think this is a pretty uh, a pretty. Uh, a pretty standard response in in sort of you know our conversations like this is like you know yeah that's my opinion and like yeah probably shouldn't have done that like you know it's like it's not certainly not that you can say no that shouldn't exist but he probably should have known better it's not a good look yeah, like, I don't know, like, would you, like, it, it would be like if there was, like, an artist who, like, you know, let one of their songs be used as a campaign song for Trump, even though they didn't agree with his politics because they wanted a paycheck. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of, like, shitty, right? Like, and in this case, it's different because he looks up to the guy, you know? So, like, I feel like, I don't know, like... There's a dissonance there. There's a dissonance there, and I think that's why people are uncomfortable. Well, in, in that sense, it's been it's already been made. I, I guess my 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 only concern is just that that gets dangerously close to a certain level of censorship that I don't think. No, I don't I, think so because it's it's. Well, well let, it's, wait. Let Marco finish his point. It's it, it 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 gets it gets into that that realm where like we then decide whether or not it should or not it should or shouldn't be created based off of how these people view each other's work their beliefs and whether or not it is something that has value at the end of the day we agree that it has value in the sense that it affects somebody in some way but to 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 either a positive or negative extent right there are people who are going to take that and view it positively they're going to be people who take that negatively but that shouldn't affect whether or not it should be made and i think there there's a closer argument that or we're getting close to an argument where uh, we're advocating for potentially it not to have been done period and and to for him to pull it away and maybe not show it ever i think is dangerously close to that whether or not you agree with the politics i think there's also from an artistic perspective something that we're close to saying it shouldn't exist nah like the difference here like okay so this is this is a very hyperbolic example, but like Adolf Hitler wrote Mein Kampf. It's out there. It exists. I have no interest in ever reading that book. Sure, you know. So if you're the diff, the, the the difference here is people are looking at, at Sean Gordon Murphy saying like, oh, you chose to collaborate with a dude who like has potentially very harmful opinions on like the LGBT community. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's his choice. He made that decision. But, like, okay, if I was a creative person and, like, a person I idolized turned out, like, they were a white supremacist or something secretly, I'd be like, oof, don't want to work with that guy. It would be, like, a, a weird uh, – and say, say I found that out after we worked together. I would then be like, boy, I wish I didn't make that. It's out there. It exists. There's nothing we can do about that, but that impacts my future decisions. And I think the I th- I think the thing along with this case is the fact that 
uh, Murphy had, flirts with Comicsgate all the time. So he's there is some facet of all of this that he's lying about. Yeah, and, and I think when he flirts with it, I think it's from an artistic perspective and not from a value-based perspective to, to a certain extent. Uh, we don't know. Like, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, from some facet, like, he's lying about something. Right, right. And that's what I think people are upset about, along with the other parts. I would like to throw out that he, take this for what you will, he's going to be launching a a crowdfunding, he's going to be crowdfunding a book soon through Indiegogo. Oh, no! Indiegogo is a pretty, uh, pretty CG-friendly platform. I think it, they exclusively, exclusively use yeah, that exclusively, one, don't yep. they? Yeah. So here's my real question. We're, real, we're, we're, we're ignoring the, the real question here, which is, do c- people care about a Murphy verse? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Really? Yeah. I really, really love White Knight. I think it's one of the best things that DC's doing, and I can't wait to see what stories and what creators they get involved in this, yeah. I I definitely don't, but by all accounts, I've heard that these books are really good. Yeah. Andy's a big fan as well. Uh, so, Doug took to Twitter to basically pivot the conversation towards uh, Jim Lee, actually. Uh, what? Making the accusation <laughs> that Jim Lee yeah, cool. told Sean Gordon Murphy he had to pull out of this cover. Now, this is the interaction. Doug said, Jim Lee has his job to do and I have mine. He's doing a lot better than me, so I can see why he put his giant jack boot on my tiny business. Uh, Jim then followed up by saying, with all due respect, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, Doug. This, wait, sorry. This is a real this interaction? This is a real interaction on Twitter, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Doug... So Doug said the first thing about the Jim Lee's jacket. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> okay. Doug followed up with, did you talk to Sean Gordon Murphy about a tweet of mine? Jim said, sorry, I did not. Doug then replied, Sean flat out told me you did, so I apologize if it's not true. That tweet got deleted and then was followed up with, at Jim Lee, did you call Sean Gordon Murphy this Wednesday the 4th about doing the Bigfoot Bill 2 cover? That's the book. I need clarity on this because it's my family business and my sole source of income. That's a pretty... Having that date's a pretty pretty damning... Uh, so now... You know, yeah, very specific. It becomes a yeah. question of, did Sean Gordon Murphy tell his friend and... You know, this person he looks up to that he was forced by his publisher to pull out of this cover. Uh, or is this dude just straight up lying? In which case, I can't imagine that him and Sean will be friends any longer because he's putting he's basically putting Sean in a position where his career could be very negatively affected by this interaction, depending on what the truth is. If 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 Jim Lee really did tell Murphy that he needed to pull out of the cover and this guy Doug knows that then Jim Lee's got to be furious right but if if he didn't tell him that and this guy is making it up then why are you still friends with this guy 
I don't know. It's there's just also, it's a lot. There's also the chance that Murphy made it up. Sure. Because like maybe right. You know, like maybe Murphy a few years ago, right when he was less of a name, he's getting attention from this person who he looked up to as a creator because he really loved you know his work or Earthworm Jim or whatever, and you know he looked at it the way that we looked were talking about, right? Where he's like, I know that he's like said some like weird sketchy stuff, but like I can look past that because I'm a fan of his work or whatever. And now here he is in 2020. He's about to get his own imprint. He's about to get over in the industry in a big way. And now he's getting heat because of his relationship to this guy. And he wants to distance himself from him. But maybe he wants to save face or he doesn't want to be honest and be like, look, I don't want to be associated with you because you said X, Y, and Z. And I'm trying to like make a career for myself. And he said, oh, you know, editorials making me distance myself from you or whatever. Like, that's not, you know, that's like I'm getting a little bit speculative, obviously, here. But that's also not a crazy thing. And then he's taking it to Twitter and blowing it up in a way that maybe Murphy didn't expect for it to blow up. <laughs> this might this might be uh, uh, a little a little conspiratorial, but maybe uh, maybe even, you know, Jim Lee was like, look, you got to pull this thing. And Sean Gordon Murphy was like, OK, I want. You know, I want a Murphy verse. <laughs> give me, you know, give me two more books. The Murphy verse was announced first. Like, how much? How like soon? before this became a, a, a conversation? Okay, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I want to end this conversation, but I do want to kind of put a final point on it. Um, I am struggling with the ideas being presented in this conversation just because on the one hand, it's like, man, you know, do you really want to be associated on any level with someone who has these opinions? Um, you know, are you do you really care that little about what it says about you, uh, and not necessarily just this one individual person, but you know, this isn't the only time that he's kind of been linked up with people who think this way. Um, and so that's odd, but at the same time, he is a creator, his passion is creating comics, and you know, he he may not agree with certain elements of, of, of anybody's point of view, but does that then mean he can't work with that person? If this person is somebody who is a friend of his and a genuine, you know, he really has a genuine relationship with him. And this is a small business. Murphy lending his creation to this business could really help his friend. And that's something that I could see any one of us wanting to do if we had the ability to do so. Um, so I think it's really easy to sit on our side of it and talk about how we feel or what we would do. But um, I think it's a lot more difficult to be in the shoes of the person who's trying to make a choice that, that will help their friend um, and have that choice be scrutinized and politicized in a way that it was never intended, probably never intended on his part. 
Um, and it really does get into an area of what you're allowed or not allowed to do um, socially without people taking you to task. And I'm not even saying it's not right for people to take them to, to, to task, but it does it does get into a, a, a weird area. And so we can't ultimately know the truth here because somebody is lying and that sucks. But I think that Murphy has to consider more really what he wants his place to be in this industry. And everybody in the industry has to more and more answer that question for themselves. Because one thing that is certainly true is that Murphy's books sell. And Murphy's books sell in a lot of ways because of the company that he keeps. And I don't know if he wants that to go away. Well, wait, can, can I clarify? Uh, if you're a comics gator and you're listening to this, you're a twat. Um, but Whoa. if you put out a good book, <laughs> shit, I might buy it. Fuck you. Fair enough. And so with that, we're going to no jump principles in. at all. <laughs> we're going to jump into our review of Strange Adventures number one. All right. So we've all been excited for this book for a while. And DC has definitely done a really good job of building anticipation for what is Tom King's first work off coming off of his, uh, you know, less than universally praised Seminole. Batman run. Uh, okay. <laughs> Seminole's right. Um, and he's back to the format that I think a lot of people think suits him the best. You know, a, a, a run with a clear ending, a maxi series. Uh with creators that he's super comfortable with, uh, artists and whatnot, and a, char- a character who he can do pretty much whatever he wants with in Adam Strange. So, how do you guys feel about issue number one? I was very, I was excited for this book coming coming out. Um, uh, p- coming in. No, no, no. Like, like for this book to come out. Sorry, and. Um, okay. Uh, especially when like we had talked about it maybe like a week or two ago, Peter mentioned, you know, this is like his format. Some of this, what you were just saying, Sean, like this is where he sort of shines in these kind of character studies. And I think that for a first issue, I think he does a good job of laying the ground and I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't have anything negative, like outright to say, uh, but I wasn't instantly over the moon, but it, it did. I, I, I was content with what I got and, uh, I I look forward to more. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I I would say I I very much echo Marco's opinion there, where I think this is a a book that is probably best served as a complete work rather than as a monthly, just because I think that like this is a good issue of laying groundwork, but really I just want to see where it goes from here. Um. I, I will say the one thing I really wanted to call out is I did appreciate the um, the art gimmick, you know, of the kind of juxtaposition of the two different styles. I think that's very effective so far. Um, and I think I think that there's a lot of good work here and a lot of really good strong groundwork. And I'm interested to see where it goes. But I don't know that it's a book that I want to follow month to month. Like, I think I'm more excited to see a, the complete product. Yeah, yeah, I I feel very similarly. I I I like what they're doing with the art and switching between the art. I think that's 
that's a really cool gimmick that I think is going to pay off for this book really, really well. Um, I, I do like what King has set up here. Um, and I, I gotta say with that aspect, I am glad that it's, a. I guess a maxi. I am glad it's a limited series basically. Um, and I can, I can see this carrying us at least that far. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's a, you know, like we say, it's a, a, a first issue. And, and a pretty good one at that. Uh, Doc Shaner and Mitch Dredd's are really good. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. They killed it. Great art. Great art. <laughs> Great work of art. Great work of art from the art. <laughs> uh, I do want to shout out Clayton Cowles, who did the letters on this. He is all over the place. Right? That was awesome. Um, letters are very good. Yeah. Yeah. He is everywhere and just killing it everywhere he goes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I expected... I don't know what I expected. I got I've, what I expected. I th- I think I think my expectations may have been too high. Um it is just the first issue of 12 so there's a lot more to come. But I certainly didn't get the feeling I got from this that I got from like Mr. Miracle number 1. Um the book is is asking questions that are compelling, but I was waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire time, and it never did. Like, I was waiting for that moment of like, okay, he might be lying here, and they never introduced that. So... Yeah, it, they never introduced the idea that that might be true. Right. It, it's just... You don't think so? No, not at all. I think I think they they introduced the idea. I mean, if you if you believe that, you know, the general public statement that is put forth here that Adam Strange is lying, but from the point of view that, you know, we're following Adam Strange and what's happening in this first issue is what happened, then like we we that question isn't flirt, isn't played with. Like we don't, we don't see anything that could push it that way. That could lead us to believe that what he's saying is untrue. Right. Right. See that what Adam, what Adam is saying is untrue. That that I don't, I don't know that I totally agree with that. Um, I I kind of got that interpretation from there's the there's three pages that I think it's the last four pages of the book, right? So there's the moment of him in the ship. And he's supposed to be escaping with his family and he's getting transported back to Earth. Right? And then it cuts to him in his bed, staring at the ceiling, and he takes the photo of his family that's covered in blood and puts it face down. So I I kind of read that as the the wife that we're meeting here and like the life that he has concocted on Earth is not actually the truth and that those people are all dead Mm. 
I see. I didn't take or it. still are still on the planet or whatever. Yeah, that's how I sort of took it was that they were still on the planet and that this person that he's with isn't actually a isn't actually Alana. Alana. She's the like she's just straight up like a publicist that she has he has a relationship with or something. Um, although, hmm. uh, I I thought that and then. I, I had also thought maybe this is just like years later and he ha- somehow found a way to bring them back. And if so, I started to stick with that because uh, I, I gave it a reread and I, was like, I started to stick with that narrative more on, on the on the second read. And I think it doesn't need to introduce the question necessarily. Um, and to me, that that seems like a more something i would enjoy a little bit more i i obviously don't know where it's gonna be going but i think if it is just like a hey help me solve the fact that this is a lie kind of thing i'm like all right i i, I can go with that yeah i definitely get the impression that there's some truth to that hmm. lie element of it too because it's kind of implied too in the the radio interview a little bit and even at the the first page right where it's like i wanted to say that part about your daughter was really special and then i lost someone close like that to me like that and it meant a lot so, what know. about that? Well, j- just to support of Pete's what, what Pete's saying. Well, the thing is that, uh, like, again, from our perspective, right? Nobody, Adam Strange or Alana, right? Never say that. They never say anything that gave me the impression that his story was, uh, not like. Maybe there are like mis- maybe there are lies in it, but the question of the book is like on this on this uh, cover right, which I love this cover. You know, it's saying like yeah. I kill, mm. and the mm. question is, is he a a war monger or a war hero or a war terrorist or a war hero, whatever? Um, and there's nothing that really drives that question for me forward, because when when he's alone with his wife. They don't say anything that could that contradicts anything that's in the story. This dude getting his head blown off, uh, I don't see a reason to believe for one second that Adam Strange did that. Um and so yeah, like I I just didn't I, I was hoping for and plus he went to Batman. If you were trying to hide that you shot and killed someone, blew their head off, you wouldn't go to Batman. I don't think he did that. I think what I'm saying is I think that he is guilty of lying about who he is and and the the nature of what he did off planet. Not that he's responsible for this person's murder now. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you though. I'm just talking about the book. Um oh. and I I don't I don't feel as though because I can't believe that he killed this person unless she did it. I don't see the reason to even introduce that uh, at all. It, well, yeah, to, to that, sorry, I'll go. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, to to that, Sean. I I had just assumed that the story would be like, hey, this is my what people are talking about me. We need to prove it. Prove that that's not true. That, that that's how I viewed that. Versus like introducing any sort of question as to whether or not what actually happened happened. It was more so like, hey, they're just like this is like slander, right? He um, he's, yeah. he's not great at setting up mysteries, is he? 
<laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, I I was grabbing my seat all the way to the end of Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, he set up a mystery. It's not a great mystery, but it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lay it on, yeah, Philly. Right. Give me something. Why should I give you something when he doesn't give you something? Damn. You know? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing it's nothing it's vapid man it's just like he's one note he can only talk about previously one thing which is like oh how does war impact you which granted is interesting and there were great books that he wrote that did that like omega man was terrific because it seemed he had something poignant to say ditto for sheriff of babylon but man he's booked for five years ago and we're still touching the same stuff. And, okay, so he adds a new wrinkle, which is, like, his life as a a, a somewhat personality. Because yeah. he's a prominent writer. And you see that with Adam Strange in these, in these book tours, which probably is taken directly from what Tom King is doing on his book tours and his experience. But, like, that's not as interesting, obviously. Like... Oh yeah, do you do you think some of this is uh, surrounding that that bullshit about him not being yeah. with the, the CIA or whatever? I That's what I was did. thinking. And it's just like, how boring is your life now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I I think um, I I think you're being like overtly critical because it's not. You're... It's- it's not great. Any- like he, he, like he. No, because like there, there's like a thread here of the idea of like how the media perceives war heroes, you know, and like that is like something that's a, a different element that on a theme that he's explored in the past. But yeah, man, like that's his experience. Yeah, you know, but- it's like, I know, it's like you wouldn't be like, oh, Tom Clancy, right about something other than the military, right? It's like I it's would because you- I don't give a shit about Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I don't I know, man. It's just like I, I feel like. Um, I feel like you're going out of your way to be critical of what is a, an issue of setting up things. You know, that's true. I don't think that's right. fair, it, Pete. He's allowed to have his his opinion. He's right in the sense that this is an issue setting up things. That's totally fair. Like I, I can't I can't take away that aspect of it. But I feel like I've been down this road before with Tom King, where it's like Heroes in Crisis number one. Oh, it's setting up something, and when if you go back and listen to the review of that, I fully understand and and say like well you know what it's setting up things but we've been down this road before where things are just kind of meandering things feel like they don't have a payoff and that's true of heroes in crisis and that was kind of true of mr miracle and i liked mr miracle i don't want to take that away from that book but it's just when you're a writer you need to have you need to be able to tell different kind of stories and with pretty much everything he's done they're they're all structured very similarly. He hasn't evolved. I don't know. This is a very interesting issue because it doesn't necessarily do anything wrong. Um, but it did. But there's do- nothing stand out about it, right? It didn't do enough right to make me feel great about it. Or as good about it as as the, uh, the rest of you felt, um, <laughs> but well, except for Phil. But a- am I compelled? Yeah, I'm compelled, but I'm always compelled until I'm not. 
<laughs> you were the one so, that was the most into finishing Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a mark. Yeah, yeah a but fact. I also think that that part of that was that Sean wanted to, wanted us to hate it and talk about it because it was funny. <laughs> that is even more of a fact. Sure. Um, I will 100% continue to read this. I mean, the art is phenomenal. Like, we could talk yes. all day about how good this art is. Um, there are some, I, there were some really cool moments here. Not like a ton, but I even liked just the, the camera work in the shots where he's like extending his hand for the, for the handshake. I, I just thought that looked really good. Um, and the reusing of that, um, of that over and over again. It established, uh, you know, a certain pace and tone, which I really appreciated. Um, and you do get an air of phoniness about this guy. And it kind of, in a weird way, helps to establish that phoniness. And in a meta way, it speaks to the phoniness of uh, these dudes at Comic-Cons who are dead tired and don't want to shake your hand and don't give a shit about you, but have to be nice and extend their hand and everything else. Um, no matter what kind of dumb stuff you say to them. Which, as the the more people come up to him, the dumber the thing they say is. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I like I said, I think there there's some stuff here that is quality, and there's some stuff here that I like quite a bit. But something was missing for me. I I, I think I agree with you. I think it is. I I I think the that last hook. Uh, like if this if this were maybe two pages more, where we could have where we could have really seen that sharp turn into whatever you know, just a glimpse of whatever it is that isn't right, that would have compelled us to keep going, because this ending of this this ending basically relies on Mister Terrific being the person that shows up, which is fine if you if you're into Mister Terrific. I like Mister Terrific. Yeah, like him I didn't even. I don't. I didn't even know who this was. I had what? no idea. Oh. These guys. I, I looked jacket it up. On. I know who it was. That's yeah, crazy. I, that Marco yeah. knew and Sean. Well, <laughs> Pete's not a DC guy, but I'm surprised Sean didn't know. He's. He's. I don't think I've ever seen Mister Terrific in a comic. Like I, I couldn't spot him. I couldn't spot him in a lineup. If you put. If you put all the Misters in comics alongside each other, I couldn't tell you who was Mister Terrific. I think yeah, I think he he was very prominent. You said uh, last, I think last episode that you really started reading around New Fifty Two. Yeah, uh, uh, he 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 was a big JSA guy yep. pre oh, New Fifty Two. Yeah, JSA. Yep, 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 yep. That's why Marco knows mm-hmm. him is because he read all that stuff. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything either. Well, yeah, that's not surprising. He he <laughs> he he only recently got back into the fold with the uh, with the terrifics. Yeah, right. So, and to what you were saying, Kale, we all understand very well that, especially with comic books, you're gonna remember how it ends. Maybe more than anything else that happens in the book, and this ending was ice cold for me. I don't care who this is at all. And this investigation 
is probably going to lead to to the idea that Alana killed this dude. I'm pretty confident she took the space gun, killed him to protect uh, Miss uh, Adam Strange's name. That's fine, but it's extremely telegraphed, and I would have preferred personally to have been given a, a, a morsel to chew on about. Well, oh, maybe he is a bad guy. Maybe he is a weird guy. Or even fucking, like, I, listen, I love uh, a comics history quote. Carmine Infantino, chef's kiss, baby. But the, even this middle panel on this on this last I like, I like page, that. like, unless that pays off, like, that could have been it. Yeah. That could have been that, just that flash of whatever is wrong. Yeah, I think it would be way cooler to have the book end on the, hi, I'm Adam, pleasure to meet you thing again. You know, like I think that that's a more powerful last page. Um, I I I like the the arm extending out to like give you like a little tease. I think I think that was like cliffhangery, which was fine. But I, I did not like that quote. But want to read but, the next issue? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it works for you. It works. It, well, I guess it doesn't necessarily work for Phil. But that reference works for Phil. That reference works for me. But Sean will bend over backwards to for this book why is he gonna keep reading like he doesn't care about mr terrific didn't even know who it was he, i i finished he, the book he, and had no clue who that was he barely cares about uh, adam strange why is he gonna keep going i don't know word one about adam strange i'm only here for tom king mitch jarrett and doc shaner and that's my point like he does he didn't really give us anything to hang on to all the way down to the last page. So. That's one one thing I did want to ask you guys who are maybe more initiated than me. Uh, this backstory that we're presented here, is this accurate to his history or is there some retcon or, or what? It's mostly not. accurate. Yeah. The, Adam Strange is one of these sort of Flash Gordon-like characters who, you know, sort of golden age of sci-fi who can just kind of show up with a jetpack, blast a laser gun a couple of times, and he's go, a superhero. Go fuck it. So, hot chick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, okay. the, the planet's, like, typically dead. There's typically a war going on or, like... Uh, but, but uh, what is it? Usually, um, Sar... Sardeth? Um... Yeah. So yeah, he the sign the evil scientist. Yeah, he's typically like a scientist, which is like Alana's father. Uh, he's typically like a bad dude. So like, I whenever I see him in a book, I expect him to be doing some shit. So when I saw this, mm. I wasn't sure the relationship there. Um, so that that had me just like on my toes a little bit. I don't know if he's lying. Yeah, I like I, I feel like <laughs> I don't know if it's like something you guys. I, I vaguely recalled something like yeah. that, but he also has like the trappings of of an evil scientist. He like, just he's looks bald. Like a, he's got a lab coat. Yeah. Like he's an angry scientist. It's the fashion, bro. Yeah. I remember not really caring because it didn't feel like a super cohesive narrative. So I was like, eh. What on brand? <laughs> uh, so. Go ahead. I was gonna say you guys saw that he uh like the second interview he inserted his uh Mr. Miracle and Batman into that dude's hands. Oh, that's cool. I didn't catch that. Yeah, if you look if you look at the books he's holding, it's Strange Adventure, then Mr. Miracle's right behind it, and then the Batman's right behind it. The second person too has uh Sheriff of Babylon. 
That's fine. Or is that who you're talking about? No, yeah, yeah. Is that Sheriff? Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. the dude with like the skull hat. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's wearing a Batman shirt. Because he's got, it's Tom he's King got sh- at the convention. <laughs> yeah, he's got Strange Adventures, Mr. Miracle, and Sheriff of Babylon. Oh, I thought that was Batman. Yeah, you're right. And then the, the dude who gets his head blown off is actually wearing a Black Canary shirt. Saw that. Yeah. 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 Yep. I thought it was really funny that he had a Black Canary shirt and he yelled. Oh, <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know, that's that. pretty nice. clever. <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah. Just like, look at his face, you know, because like it had that like same kind of distortion. See, I thought that dude looked like uh, Tom King more than the other guy. They all look like Tom King. He's self-absorbed. Um, that was hey. that was just a joke. I, I didn't even mean that. Whoa! whoa. I did. That's I didn't fire. Mean that. Oh, the shoe fits. Sounds like Sean's coming over to Phil's side <laughs> of the camp. No, I didn't mean that, and I really love Tom King as a human. But um, I thought it was pretty cool how this dude's like yelling, and the shirt has it's supposed to emulate when Black Canary yells, the like sonic rings or whatever. That I think that was her logo for the 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 short series. That uh, I think it was Brendan Fletcher and Annie Wu. I think so. Oh. Yeah. Around uh, DCU. Okay. It was kind of a uh, came out around the same time as the uh, the the uh, the new Batgirl. Uh, with the the Batgirl of Burnside, the Cameron Stewart Babs Tar one. Mm. One one last point for me was that I found myself struggling to care about the stuff that happened on the other planet what was it called Ron. um Ron. Ron yeah because i know that it's happening not now and there were several different like things going on and that just it felt so ancillary that i kind of looked past it like i read it and and saw the art and whatnot but i didn't um spend too much time thinking about those sequences looks just good, because though. they didn't seem too important. What's that? It looks good though. They look, no, they look, I mean, everything looks good. This book is, you know, and can't that's overstate. All, how that's also like typically the state of Ron anyway. So yeah, mm. I think, I think those scenes are going to matter a lot more as time goes on. Um, yeah. And as, as we're revealed, like what of those are real and what are, his his interpretation of the events th- like in his book you know because the the dialogue yeah in those bits is very stilted as well yep. it's very it's very much what you would think that AG. well like what a, a a poor writer might write for a character like this if it was just a story <laughs> yep <laughs> what's that <laughs> yeah we, we get it phil <laughs> but I, me- uh, I meant that that was deliberate. I know. I know, I know okay. I know. <laughs> just, uh, just being a butt. Yeah, I think, and I, and and to your point, like back to sort of what I was saying, if we had that one thing to sort of hook to, like that would have been the perfect thing to show us that that mold of the two worlds. You know what is being investigated, or what the problem is in Mister Rod's part of the world, and then what happened in Doc Shaner's like that would have been the the perfect mold of of that moment that that could have hooked us totally kind of, kind of wonder what's in the book more you know what did Doc Shaner write in this book I thought that is the book I think I think 
that's what these flashbacks are supposed to yeah do. that's how more, i interpret it I, yeah. I, that's what i'm saying i'm, I'm curious more so where that's gonna go oh right yeah so final question before we close out will you continue to read this are you still interested in where this is going yeah, I'm interested in where it's going. I don't think I'll read it month to month, though, um, just because I, I think it'll be better as a book, um, particularly because I get the impression that a lot of a lot of the meat is going to come between the from the juxtaposition of what's written in the book and in the in those past segments and what's happening currently, and I think it's the kind of thing that'll benefit from it being like fresh in your mind, you know. Um, so I, I think I'd rather this be the kind of book I read in one or two sittings rather than 12, especially if it gets delayed or something. Did you, you didn't finish Mr. Miracle, right? No, but that's why I stopped reading it. Um, cause I picked up the first like two or three and I was like, I, like, I'm interested in this, but I want to go back and, and read it when it's finished. Um, and I didn't go back because I think, cause you guys, I think you guys kind of felt soft about the ending and it was around the time when we were getting in the mode of like Tom King's not putting out stuff that's good. So I just wasn't motivated to go finish it, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I'm probably going to pick this up month to month. I, I, I want to see what Tom King, Mitch and Shane are end up doing. And, and I like this Adam strange character enough that I'll probably, I'll probably go pick it up. I definitely dig the vibe of it. Kale, you didn't even want to read this one, right? I didn't, um, but I was more uh, interested in picking up the trade. Right. I I had not read Mister Miracle, and I I worked really really hard to stay away from uh, spoilers. Uh, I still don't know what happens. I still haven't read it. Uh, but um, that's what that's what I wanted to do, and I'm still inclined to do that. Um, now, I guess my opinion now is really, I think. I I do still want to read it, but now my my desire has sort of shifted between okay, do I wait until it's out digitally, or will it is it good enough for me to pick it up in person? Um, and I think I so far I'm more inclined to do it digitally. Okay, Phil. Um. I don't know. Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I don't know. Uh, a part of me wants to see it go somewhere, I guess, is the best way to put it. And a part of me definitely wants to keep looking at what Doc Shaner and Mitch Gerads do. But, you know, honestly, I, I left this issue and I wasn't, I didn't hate it. It just, I didn't think it was anything. You know? And when you, that's like the worst, that's like the worst thing, right? So like reading, uh, uh, Heroes in Crisis or, or that Bendis event, uh, event Leviathan, like there was vitriol there, right? Like you think like, God, this is bad. And there's like a fun quality to reading a bad book. But when it's like nothing, when you feel nothing of it, it, that, that's, that's, that's almost worse because, it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know? So like, I, am I, is it something I would be interested in reading? Probably. But is it something I would just forget about when it comes out in a month? 
Also probably. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep reading it. I wish I enjoyed it more because I don't get as excited about books um, as I did about this one that often. I get I get pretty excited. But uh, this one, my hype level was on 12. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean that it can't get good or anything like that or, or even that it was bad. It just means that for this one particular first issue, I didn't feel what I hoped to feel. And that's a bummer. But I'm very much still willing to give uh, everybody on the creative team the opportunity. Mostly Tom, just because like the art will always be good. There's never going to be, at least I can't imagine, an issue of this looking bad. Uh, so it's really on Tom to deliver. And I, I'm not out of trust when it comes to him. So I'm willing to give him the opportunity. I hope he delivers. And I really look forward to the next issue. Um, and I think that that's more where I'm going to have an idea of what to expect, um, quality wise. So yeah, happy we reviewed this for the show and very interested to hear your thoughts. If you're listening, uh, what did you think about this issue? And in particular, um, putting this issue aside, what do you think about the Sean Gordon Murphy stuff? I think it's an issue that obviously we were kind of split on at least, I wasn't sure what to think, and Marco had, you know, a, a differing opinion than the group. So, would love to hear where you guys land on that, um, and and anything else we talked about on the show. If you want to get at us, uh, please do. You can hit us up on whatever podcast ho- podcast hosting platform you're listening to us on. Uh, while you're there, it would really be helpful if you left us a review, whatever the review equivalent is on that platform. It would really do us a lot of good. Um, and you can drop us a line there as well. We are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Write to us, thecomicspalsgmail.com. Uh, if you're on YouTube right now, make sure that you leave us a like, drop us a comment, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more of this good content if you enjoy it. Um, and, of course, hit the notification bell so that you know when we drop our content. Uh, while you are there, if you are on YouTube, it would be awesome if you went and checked out our Anyone Comics interview. Um you know, it, it, it it's it's really good and insightful. So, you know, give it a watch. Give it an opportunity um, and drop those likes. Like I said, they help us out a ton and they're free to do. Um, so, yeah, we've got book clubs on deck. Plenty. Magneto Testament. Uh, what's it called? Infinite Loop. Those are the more recent ones that we've done. Uh, we've got the Demon Bear Saga coming out here. In a month. uh, In a month. So um, stay tuned for that. And then a whole host of, you know, backlog of of awesome book clubs. We've probably got one of your favorite books in that backlog. So give your favorite book a reread. Then hear our thoughts about it. You won't be disappointed. I put the comics pals guarantee forward on that one. So let's do some Uh plugs. (laughs) Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to find more of me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can go check out some of my work over at LootPots.com, where I host the weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, as well as the Patreon exclusive show After Dark. Uh, so if you want some more podcasting from me, or you want to come talk to me about uh, 
you know what you're thinking of, Strange Adventures or, uh, you know, the coronavirus or whatever, come hit me up. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's funny, man. Pete, you really nailed that. You've gotten that down to a science there. I like that a lot. Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at Kaleward.com. That's E L E W A R D.com. Don't come talk to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Kale, you, you've, you've locked that down too, dude. I remember there was a time when it was a little, you know. Uh, listen, 176 episodes. I, you think you I know where I'm at. <laughs> all right. All right. Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Nomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Please come talk to me about Adam Strange. I'm enjoying the book, and I do enjoy the character. You can also find me at marcocunalata.com, and I have a story coming up end of month, short page, two-pager, so stay tuned for that. Is that the one that I read? Yes, it is. Oh, man. Oh, man. You guys are going to love it. Definitely <laughs> check that out, marcocunalata.com. It's real good. It's real good. Yep. Uh, Phil. Extra, extra, if you like good shit, listen, I know just the guy who can give you that good shit. I did my plug already. It's me, Phil Casey at Cyborg Bebop. Follow him there, and he'll give you the good shit. I think you delivered a lot of that on this episode. Uh, As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about uh, Jean Grey Day, of course. That's always prevalent. And why uh, Jean Grey is the savior, is is potentially the one who can save us all from the coronavirus. Thank you very wow. much. Uh, and with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next time. You could have done, done better on your plugs there, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could picture Bendis on Superman's run giving Superman a villain that's like kryptonite coronavirus as like a villain or something. I'm the new kryptonite man, Man of Steel, and guess what? I don't just have any, I don't have just any ordinary kryptonite. Mine's laced in COVID-19. 